you and your fellow Americans at least $60 billion a year. Hello and welcome to the Drinking Out of Cups podcast, where we are advocates for playing with pocket knives. <laughs> I am your host, Raven. I am joined by our other hosts. We've got Hakeem, the Micah Man, and we've... The pocket sword. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> no, I'm saying. <laughs> I no longer feel comfortable sitting next to him. <laughs> I make my sword out of bricks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> over in L.A., who do we got over there? Uh, we got Ryan, who doesn't have a pocket sword. I've got more of a, uh, a fucking... Little pocket shank. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I've got a I've got one of those fucking um Swiss Army pocket knives, dude. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very it, utilitarian. It, it ain't very big, but it's use it's good for a lot of uses. <laughs> Can do many things. It will last forever in the medicine cabinet. Just hanging out there the first day. Holy shit. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> This has, I, I was going to try to relate this to our, our, our topic for today. It has nothing to do with our topic. Today we are talking about 4-ACO DMT, or some people might know it as 4-Acetoxy DMT, or Silicetin. Silicetin? It has to be Silicetin, dude. There's no way that's Silicetin. Well, I've just heard it pronounced Silicetin. In, in what language? In, Okay. Oh, I thought you said the IRS. Yeah, the IRS <laughs> <laughs> called my house. They're like, you owe this much right, money for taxes, here. and also it's still Satan, by the way. <laughs> They're like, you uh, you reported this incorrectly on your 2019 return. <laughs> said you bought $500 of still a Satan on Yeah, and you only sold $10 worth. Mm. What happened? Mm. Where did it all go? So, um, I want to clarify, this is not to be confused with NM. Or NN? Did I say NM? Yeah. Wow, weird. Not uh, M&M's. Not M&M's. NN dimethyltryptamine, which refers to the DMT that most people are referring to when saying DMT. For ACO DMT that we are talking about today is often called synthetic mushrooms as it is structurally similar to psilocybin and psilocin. Which, if you remember from our very first episode, these are the psychoactive chemicals found within magic mushrooms. Yay. Wait a second. Psilocybin is non-psychoactive, I believe. You believe? Well, yeah. So remember, it's psilocybin itself is non-psychoactive. However, it's the main component of the mushroom. Yeah. Psilocin is still found in the mushroom. But to even for it to convert, it has to convert in your stomach, essentially, to psilocin for it to be active. Yeah. So it's the pro-drug. But yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So lots, it's, I'm pretty sure it's not psychoactive. There. Yeah. Okay. Psilocybin itself on its own isn't. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, sorry. I accidentally said psychoactive. I see where the yeah. confusion is there. Gotcha. Yeah, no. So, okay. But anyway, 4-ACO-DMT is called synthetic mushrooms for being structurally similar to psilocybin and psilocin, even though psilocybin is not the psychoactive chemical. Psilocin is. So that's why it's called synthetic magic mushrooms. Um, but as we've discussed prior in prior episodes that not all mushrooms that are psychoactive have psilocybin and psilocin in them so calling them synthetic magic mushrooms isn't isn't necessarily true for all psychoactive mushrooms so just getting that clarified right out the gate i do think um amanitas aren't really even classified as magic mushrooms right like a lot of 
people wouldn't even put those under the category of magic mushrooms. I think a lot of the times when people mention magic mushrooms, like in literature or like articles and stuff, they're really talking about like cubenzies and azorescence, like psilocybin containing. You would hope. Right. But at the same time, a lot of people don't even know that cubenzies exist, but they know of magic mushrooms as the imaginary uh, Amanita in the cartoons or movies or whatever, video games even. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I feel like shiitakes are pretty magical. Like, have you ever had those with, like, put some of those in, like, your eggs and shit? Dude, oh, that is yeah. magic right there. Morels, morels are Ooh. very, very magical. Yeah. Going out and finding them. Wait, uh, what'd you say? Smurfs. Smurfs. What is that? Smurfs? They're pretty magical. Smurfs? Yeah, Smurfs. Smurfs? The ones that live in tree stumps and mm-hmm. shit? Wait. Yeah, I mean, they make, like, they have, like, little spells and stuff. That they yeah. Use. Wait, Smurfs? Smurfs. Smurfs. Smurfs? Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> a whole conversation said, back and forth. Just smart. Smart. With all that being said, 4 ACO DMT is a synthetic psychedelic drug in the tryptamine class. This class of drugs, for reference, also includes LSD and a whole list of other drugs that we will have episodes on in the future. Speaking of LSD, 4 ACO DMT was also synthesized by the exact same chemist close to 25 years after the creation of LSD. 4-ACO-DMT was just one of the large number of tryptamine drugs that Albert Hoffman synthesized in his life. 4-ACO-DMT was synthesized for the first time in January 16th, 1963 by Albert Hoffman and Franz Troxler under the Santos Pharmaceuticals uh, while they were researching the chemistry of psilocybin-containing mushrooms and the different analogs of psilocybin and psilocin. Did you say Santos? Sandos, sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, George yeah, Santos. <laughs> under the uh, Los, Los Santos pharmaceuticals. <laughs> yeah, dude, they went to Los Santos Customs. And <laughs> what kind of rings did you get with those, dude? Fuck, <laughs> dude. I'm three for three on this. <laughs> oh, God. All right, well, <laughs> so they were researching the different analogs of psilocybin and psilocin. They patented this drug and named it psilocetin, stating that this drug was a serotonin receptor antagonist. However, we now know that these are uh, really a different classification of, uh, of drugs called prodrugs, which Michael will elaborate on later. Unfortunately, just like LSD, Hoffman shelved this discovery, but instead of like LSD, never decided to investigate further into this psilocybin copycat. Um, really quick, are you sure that they named it, or they called it a, recept- a serotonin antagonist? 100%. All right, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. I wonder what um, made them think that. You know what I mean? Because uh, I'm curious if they were doing like cell studies back then. Remember how I was telling right. that you that you can actually watch neurons, um, you know, get rid of a neurotransmitter in yeah. those little vesicles and then go those little neurotransmitters will go to another neuron and start stimulating. Yeah. I literally wonder if they like did stuff like that and then got different results than what everyone's getting now. Huh. Because they like whatever made them think enough to write that down as serotonin receptor antagonist is a trip because we'll see later that that's not the case. Not um, only a trip, it's a trip to mean. Yeah. But not all is lost, however. And there is a reason why we are talking about this drug still now. 
Because somehow 4-ACODMT started popping up as a street drug sometime around the 1990s and has continued to be found, even being marketed to people as a safe way to microdose. Essentially a gentle version of uh, magic mushrooms, so the ads say. Um, Yeah, and I found quite a few websites where you can allegedly buy it on. Don't know how credible they are. But yeah, they say 4-ACODMT. Gentle version of magic mushrooms. Uh, don't order to the U.S. <laughs> but uh, yeah, another thing is just in 1999, Professor David E. Nichols tried to put it on the map as a safe and cheap alternative to psilocybin as well. So there are people trying to make for ACODMT more common. I think that it should be, honestly. I think there is some truth to microdosing actually real psilocybin mushrooms. I think the mushrooms have a lot to give. I don't think you need to be doing a a microdose of a research chemical per se. I think, you know, if you're going to microdose, microdose mushrooms. But if it's the only way you can get it, it's the only way you can get it, you know? True. Yeah, no, I think it's a a really cool drug for people in other places of the world that literally only have access to online drugs and then don't have access to mushrooms that are just growing freely in their... uh, you know, city or uh, for people that don't even know people. Yeah. You know, yeah. Shout out fucking Florida for the ranches where they fucking, the hippies, <laughs> the hippies just on fucking run on to fucking ranches and just flip over cow shit and just start picking. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, and it's also a cheaper and easier thing to sil- uh, synthesize than psilocybin. So I think that's like another reason why it's, it's easier or better for people in places where mushrooms don't grow naturally it's easier to get for aco dmt than uh, any kind of synthetic psilocybin or psilocin so well, yeah it has its uses and it, something we're going to talk about here in a little bit is it could be more beneficial than microdosing mushrooms in some ways because the effects aren't cut and cut and paste the effects of psilocybin right psilocin. Well, and also, uh, just to circle back really quick to the thing you just mentioned about how it's cheaper and easier to synthesize than psilocybin, that's really good for um, research purposes and stuff because then you can keep your cost down. You can probably get an easier chance for grants and stuff like that uh, for money and stuff if you're like, oh, like we can do this many, you know, uh, tests or whatever with this amount of money or whatever. I don't know. Micah probably knows more about that than I do because I don't, I'm not a science guy. Yeah, that is true. Um, and now, like in the U.S., most of the psilocybin studies are with synthetic synthetic psilocybin. Um, so it does sort of mimic the mushroom because it's still psilocybin. So it needs to break down um, into the stomach. So like the duration is very similar. So it, it makes it a lot more controlled for them to use a synthetic version. However, this stuff is likely cheaper and it's also likely easier for researchers in the United States to work with um, on their experiments because of the fact that it's not scheduled. Um, right. Yep. So they don't have to deal with having the DEA um, uh, essentially like way out. So when, you, when you're doing research with Schedule 1 compounds, it's a really, really intense process with the DEA where like, um, you know, they come in randomly to do checks. The, the, there's like a lock on the, you know, box where the drugs are in. Um, and so only the researcher is allowed to go in that box. The undergrad students who are on the projects, they're not allowed to touch it. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff where like, essentially you have a, uh, an officer, like a DA type officer that constantly comes in and out of the lab and weighs that shit out and checks the logbooks to make sure that, 
you're only using the stuff that you said you were going to use and anything that's, you know, any excess is being destroyed correctly. Um, Part of what has made researching with cannabis so incredibly difficult in the United States, that's why there's so many studies where they use synthetic THC. They'll like inject, they'll like IV someone with synthetic THC and then be like, all right, here's the results. (laughs) And that's not really translatable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Damn, dude. (laughs) That's fucking whack. (laughs) I'd be really interested to know how that works with things like analogs. Uh, Because as if I'd mentioned a little bit earlier, you may be able to obtain for ACO DMT on the clear web. uh, But if you are a resident of the US, I would be cautious to do that as for ACO DMT, DMT may fall into a weird legal gray area that could still get you into trouble. As Micah said, it is not scheduled federally. Yet it could potentially still fall under the Federal Analog Act, where the chemical, although not being the same, is an analog of an illegal chemical and can be treated criminally as the same drug. So I wonder how that works within research. Well, yeah, so that's what I mean. In research, analogs are kind of beautiful because of that. They're okay. un, at the end of the day, they're unscheduled. Right. The, if we look into the Federal Analog Act, I forget exactly what deems you a criminal when under it, but like I mentioned in previous episodes, I don't think any U.S. citizen has actually been charged under the Federal Analog Act ever, even though people are importing, uh, and not even importing, sometimes people are just buying clear web drugs, research chemical drugs that are full-blown analogs of other drugs, um, and there was a full-blown frenzy for this at one time. Nowadays, it's a lot more common to only see research chemical benzodiazepines, um, and part of the reason I think that's so rampant is because uh, benzodiazepines are becoming less and less prescribed by physicians because they now know how dangerous they are. Uh, it's almost falling under the similar like opiate crisis type thing where you yeah. just see a lot less prescriptions. However, you have still so many people that are hooked on those drugs. So now they have looked for cheaper alternatives, which are the research chemical benzos that they're able to buy legally and safely or whatever on the internet. But now those vendors are the ones that are selling those drugs. Whereas there used to be a time where there was vendors on the clear web that you could just type into Google and had every single tryptamine analog of psilocybin and LSD you could possibly think of. Like hundreds of compounds sometimes. Um, Damn. Now that's gone. Uh, unfortunately. Fucking but sad. everyone that purchased, purchased those drugs got them safely and no one dealt with the Federal Analog Act even though they could have. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know why. I think it's that the, when the DEA created that act, there is something, there's just weird loopholes in it where essentially they have a really hard time actually charging anyone with it. It was just a rush. Mm. It was a rush to create a law yeah. that kind of combated all of these weird research chemicals that were popping up everywhere. Right. And Makes that's sense. a part of what's been really easy for anyone that does get caught with these drugs to get out of like jail time or anything because if the police officers find you with a bag of white powder and they charged you with cocaine possession but then a week later the lab results came back as an unscheduled compound i think that your lawyer could help you fight that to the point that you don't get anything because they literally said you had cocaine on you because they just saw white powder and then didn't wait for test results to you know change the charge it's kind of sick um no, it is. It's super cool. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of why I think there's there was a huge push for people that were purchasing research chemicals. And so shouts, negative shouts out <laughs> uh, Psyched Substance yet again, because one of the problems <laughs> with him was that he would take these drugs that were unscheduled um, that you could buy freely on the clear web and then like take them on video and then say, do not take these drugs. Yeah. And 
really essentially what he was showing was these drugs were allowed to be sold because as we have heard in the previous episodes, or if this is your first episode, these drugs a lot of the time are labeled as not for human consumption. Um, yeah. And that's part of why they're able to get sold. And so then you've got a human psyched substance, Adam, sitting there and taking these drugs um, and posting like the title of them for ACODMT or 1PLSD in the title um, and then actually consuming them. Um, and that was just a huge problem. But again, even him, he didn't get charged. Yeah, yeah, right. It's funny because uh, when I was researching, I also for, think he's Canadian. Oh well, that's probably why I don't like him. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, when I uh, when I was researching for this episode, I was typing it on like YouTube and stuff just to like see what was uh see what people were saying and stuff like that. And uh, I, his he had a video that popped up about fucking synthetic. It was titled "Synthetic Shrooms," and of I was course. like. I like half almost clicked on it and was just like, just to be like, what kind of bullshit is he saying? But I was like, I'm not even going to give this guy views. Like, I don't even yeah. care for what he has to say. I know it's a bunch of bullshit. So true. Nice. Well, and, and there you go. He put it in his title, something that's actually kind of misleading. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, it's definitely misleading. Yeah, it is. I, I've actually met people who think that this drug is uh, extracted from mushrooms. <laughs> they think that it's natural and that you just get it from a process. Nah. They call it like extracted mushrooms. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. And they're like, no, no, no. My guy, my <laughs> guy told me. <laughs> my guy told me. My guy's <laughs> the chemist. He made it. Oh my yeah. god, dude. Well, if he shit. made it, then it's suck, fucking. Well, extract. Not extract. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I was just saying. Anyway, uh, <laughs> negative shout out, psych substance. Yep. Yeah, I was. I'm trying to figure out like if lab grown beef <laughs> is like a, an analog of beef. Oh, it depends. If the stem cells came from beef stem cells, then, or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. cow stem Good cells. Point. Then, yeah. It essentially could be. Interesting. But okay. also <laughs> stem cells are really interesting because that's the thing is they're undifferentiated. They, they're just uh, ready to grow into whatever they want. So you could actually say that a stem cell isn't really an analog of anything. It's just its own oh. cell. But then once it becomes a certain cell, then you could be like, okay, it's kind of an analog. But that's hard to say because cells are filled with chemicals that everyone has already. I can't wait for lab-grown beef, dude. Well, I've heard it's actually like quite good. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but the stakes are like a thousand dollars or something. Yeah, yeah. dude, yeah. it's like indoor cannabis versus fucking naturally grown <laughs> cannabis, dude. The indoor cannabis is bussing, dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that indo beef. Yeah, oh, I almost thought that I got weed with those hormones the other day oh. when I was in uh, SF. We ordered weed delivery, um, and I opened up the bag, and it was just covered in those orange hairs. But it actually smelled. So then I was like, okay, it's probably not. Yeah, but it made me wonder. I was, I'm like scared of California weed, man. Dude, same. I got some homegrown stuff from this dude I work with sometimes. And he he was like, yeah, there's some like decent homegrown stuff. And like, he gave me like a couple jars of it. And when I first got it and smoked some of it, it like tasted really bad and was also like crazy dense. And I was like, ah, fuck, this probably sprayed with those hormones and shit. And then, but it like didn't have like red hairs and didn't like have a fucking super gnarly like taste or anything like that it smelled like it smelled like good weed like or not like good Mm -hmm. weed but it smelled like weed and uh wasn't all like small and stuff i think it was just like not dried correctly and stuff and so like it might have still been a little wet when i first started like smoking it um because it tastes better and is better now that i think it's like dried out more uh but anyway yeah when i first started when i first smoked a little bit of it i was like whack PGR, PGRs, dude. PGRs, PBRs, dude. Anyway, let's get let's get back into four ACO here. Four so before AC. we start, sorry. <laughs> before we start talking about some of the effects, uh, I think it's important to go over some of the dosages that people might encounter. So 
threshold is around 5 milligrams, with a heavy dose being anything over 45 milligrams. A light dose is anywhere from 7.5 milligrams to around 15 milligrams. Common, 15 to 25. Strong, 25 to 45. And then on up from there is just an extremely heavy dose. Onset is around 15 to 40 minutes with a total duration, depending on the amount, can be anywhere from four to seven hours with a peak lasting around two to three and a half hours. So is this for oral? Yes. All right, cool. Uh, I just want to mention then that you can insufflate this drug. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, maybe maybe you have some reports or stuff, Ryan. Uh, not um, really. I mean, I've just read that some people do have insufflated it. Um, and guess what else you can do with insuff- uh, since you can uh, insufflate yeah. it, dude? <laughs> I actually hear this is one of the best routes. Oh, wow. really, dude? I mean, that makes sense, dude. The fucking anal cavity is a good route to go, dude. <laughs> yep. I, I personally have not tried it. Um, however, I know people that have. And I also know people that have IV'd it. Um, oh, interesting. Whoa. And love it. Yeah. It's one of their favorite drugs to IV. Um, it's interesting. So, Real quick. Sorry. I was talking yeah. about boofing, everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about boofing. We haven't talked about boofing in a while, dude. No. We didn't even get boof talk. I think and we got enough of it in not, the Jankum. Right. And not a lot of people boof SSRIs and ADHD meds. <laughs> True. <laughs> or the dark web. That we know, that we know of. Yeah, that we know of. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry. What were you saying? Yeah. I was just going to say then, harm reduction-wise, early on, um, due to this being one of the really more potent compounds that we talk about, um, I was just going to say, I think that uh, if you're going to purchase this drug, and maybe if you've acquired it without purchasing, whatever, you have this on you and you want to take it, um, I recommend getting yourself a milligram scale, um, typing into Google or something like the Gemini 20 or something like that. Uh, Essentially, digital jewelry scales, um, they go down to the... Uh, what is it? The, the thousandth um Whoa. decimal place, so like point zero zero one. Um, now this is not going to be super accurate when weighing out something like seven and a half to fifteen milligrams. Um, so there's a common method that you can use, uh, where you put a hundred milligrams onto the scale and then take your ten milligrams off, so you bring it down to ninety milligrams. Um, now you could capsule that up, you could, uh, insufflate it, boof it, whatever you want to do. If you are going to boof, uh, I don't feel like I need to explain how that is, but I would mention, uh, just be really clean, be safe, um, with it. It's similar to injection. So be really, you know, safe with doing that kind of thing. Have a bidet handy. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't use an maybe old turkey. after a shower. Don't use an old turkey baster, dude. <laughs> you, you, or do, you do not need more than one milliliter. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. You do not need one more than one more than. Oh, my God. Anyway, more than one milliliter when doing that. Um, Same thing with injection. Um, However, if you're going to do anything like that, I really do recommend looking up safe routes of administration and how to do that. Um, The safest and cleanest way possible if you're going to. Um, And then just remember that uh, by not having it orally ingested, you are going to experience a much quicker onset than 15 to 40 minutes. It'll probably be anywhere between two and five minutes. Um, with the other three routes of administration that I just described. IV obviously being the fastest, probably 30 seconds to 60 seconds. So again, be prepared for having your trip uh, shortened in duration, but being much, much stronger in effects. Um, Yeah, which I feel like is almost... Sorry, what were you saying? I was just going to say, a lot of people that I've read in reports, and I know people that will say this, that it's very similar to uh, smoking DMT. And sure. NM DMT, when you're just inhaling it and exhaling and the quickness of effects being brought on sure. and close to the intensity, depending on the dose. Because that's the other thing with these, you know, it's it's hard to eat 
more than seven grams dry mushrooms. It's just difficult. Yeah, it Maybe is if you powderize them and, and did it a different way, sure. But again, it's hard to get a really high dose in because it's food. It's fibrous. It's all this stuff, right? This is something where you could easily overdose. Um, not, it's not going to be dangerous. It's not going to kill you. But it's easily overdosable. You know, dosable. Yeah, <laughs> so I just want to try to anyone that's considering taking high doses or doesn't have a good scale. Again, if you don't have a scale uh, that can weigh to 0. 0.001, I recommend not taking this at all. Yeah. Now, if you're going to, you can do the volumetric dosing. And I think I do believe this compound is soluble in water. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. So, so you could measure out 100 milliliters of water or 10 mils of water and add a very specific amount. So you may make a concentration for yourself. Um, you know, you diluted it and then you can take drops out of, you know, that milliliter syringe you might have had to shove up your butt. Um, <laughs> you can just do it with that and put it in a drink or something like orange juice or Make whatever. Make sure you clean it first. If you exactly. put it in your butt ever in the past. Um, yeah, I think with this drug, especially, it's such a small window for the dosages. Mm-hmm. So you want to be insanely accurate. Between 15 and 45 milligrams, that is so... You can't tell. No, yeah, you're not going to be able to like... Uh, you, you can't eyeball it. Yeah, do not eyeball this drug whatsoever or any drug in this matter. For like, uh, no matter what, you shouldn't be eyeballing drugs. I know that people do when they get comfortable with a drug, like cocaine or something. You know, you can just put out a certain amount and feel comfortable doing that. That one's pretty safe to eyeball in, in, in relation yeah. to things like this. Exactly. And the, uh, again, this is not going to kill you like cocaine could if you overdose on cocaine. However, you could end up with a very, very intense trip that could end you up with HPPD. Yeah. Um, it could end you up in the hospital from a psychosis type of thing. I think Hamilton Morris's best friend uh, brought on schizophrenia by taking this drug. When Whoa. he was 19, they went walking around New York City together. His friends started tripping out, having weird effects. And then ever since then, he has now been a full-blown schizophrenic for wow. years. Yeah. And he deals with it, and it's from this drug. Now, so I'm not saying this drug is scary or anything. It is just a very potent psychedelic that should be... Uh, you should be cautionary about using compared to using other psychedelic drugs because essentially most people that acquire this are going to acquire a raw powder. Right. And they're not going to potentially know what to do with it. And uh, just because I told you you can sniff it doesn't mean you should be racking out bumps of this stuff yeah. and bumping it with your friends on a plate. You know what I mean? I guess, yeah. So that's I, will, I will say the, the examples I found online on the ClearNet that were for sale uh, that cautioned don't buy in the U.S. or whatever, they were all liquid. So That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's good because I know we talked about it in the Spice episode that that is like it's safer a method. And I did just tell people that they could volumetrically dose. The only thing for myself is I actually feel much more comfortable when I have the raw powder of a drug or something and I volumetric dose it myself because then I know exactly that that concentration is the concentration that I was going to take. Now, however, if you're going to buy stuff that's already pre-diluted like that, my other form of harm reduction would say to start incredibly small, take a quarter or a sixteenth even of the dose that you were going to take and maybe even a threshold like less than that. A lot of people, what they'll call is they'll call it an allergy test. Um, so you'll take like, essentially it's what uh, Albert Hoffman did with the LSD in the beginning. When he took 250 micrograms, he weighed out 0.25 milligrams thinking this is literally going to do nothing. And I just want to see what it'll do. So what some people will do with powders when they buy it, they'll get a toothpick, they'll lick it, and they'll dab the powder, and then they'll lick the powder. Now this is a really stupid idea with things that are potent in the microgram level, like a lot of benzo RCs and other drugs, because... Now you could have just licked like three milligrams. Powdered LSD. Exactly. That would be stupid. Because a milligram of LSD is 10 hits 
of 100 micrograms. So right. that, again, is still really small. If you were to toothpick a couple milligrams of LSD, you're going to be in for a trip. Now, with stuff like this, I do say it's not a bad idea to um, do this allergy test thing. Wait an hour or two, see if anything happens. Uh, if nothing happened, then maybe go up a little bit more and try something else. And just really, because at the end of the day with drugs like this, it's all about uh, you can always take more. You can't take less. Right. Yeah. Um, I think so. Just consider it. Yeah. I think with any, we should probably say that with any drugs in general, especially any psychedelics, you should always weigh on the on the side of taking less at first for any psychedelic, not even just because of this being like a powder, like definitely because of this being a powder and being like incredibly strong for how little amount that you have to take. But for any psychedelic in general, you should always take less at first. And especially if you're inexperienced uh, and you don't have any like really experience, experience or any experience or even like a lot of experience with psychedelics, you should always take less and be like, okay, like how strong is this? And then I'll know how much to take next time or even later on you know, during your trip if you want to take more. But like, like you just said though, like you, you can't, you can't take that back if you've taken a lot, which I have right. quite a few things to talk about with uh, people's, you know, own experiences and stuff like that. And also generally just how much like milligram like differences like change your experience, kind of like similar to like 2CB. Yeah, I'm glad you can get into that because that's what I was going to just say. That the last probably cautionary part on it is that Raven was right in saying like that 15 to 45 milligrams is a huge jump. But also just remember like with, with drugs being this potent, their dose response curve is really big so that any like 15 milligrams could feel actually surprisingly different than 18 milligrams, similar to 2CB yes. like you just said. Um, so that's a big one. And everyone is different. So it's always, again, better to go back to that whole like starting low and getting an idea of how well your body and brain does with this drug. Because just because you read reports online and felt like, oh, I could take this. I saw a 21-year-old 20, male on Aeroid uh, consume 20 milligrams of this shit in Sufflated. So that's what I'm going to do because I'm also 21 and, you know, a male. And Which, by bam, the way, 20 milligrams insufflated of this is a fuck ton. It is a lot, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about some of those, uh, the, like some of that dose curve and some of the effects that this drug really has. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah. Uh, so before we get super into that, I just want to like just say a little bit of culture stuff just because I just want to get this out of the way. People, it kind of it kind of has to do with history a little bit. Um, so like it, like Raven said, it, it was synthesized by Albert Hoffman in the 60s, early 60s, 63, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, so in shelved and then it resurfaced in the 90s in the rave scene as like a new designer drug, which is super interesting to me because like many of the trip reports that I've read of people using them at raves say that it's not great at all for like dancing and is actually like way more of an introspective experience that makes you want to like just lay down and experience it. And so that seems like kind of... <laughs> the wrong thing to use for going to a rave, especially if you're going to be wanting to like dance and have energy and all this stuff. Like a lot of people that I've read that have used it going to raves are just like, yeah, like the whole time I just wanted to go home. Like I didn't even want to be there. I just wanted oh, to lay no. down. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, that that's just like asking for a bad trip, essentially. So just know that uh, if you are intending to like go to a rave or something <laughs> like that, for me, even generally mushrooms and all that and stuff like that, like mushrooms and I've never done this, but it's similar to mushrooms. It's definitely not the drug to do to go to a rave because no. mushrooms for me are never a party experience. It's even, no, even no. when I've tried to be like, ah, I could go out and party on mushrooms. It didn't. No, don't do that. I think really low <laughs> dose, like because I, yeah. me and like everyone in the community that I'm in right now, which is a very psychedelic rave scene. Yeah, um, the, the 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 half gram mushroom thing is pretty common. Like everyone, yeah. everyone has a chocolate or something, but. No one's taking two or three grams of mushrooms and going to shows. And I'll say, <laughs> yeah. I did that. Allie and I did that so to some pagan shit back in like 2015 at a festival. I forget the band's name, but they were all dressed up in crazy shit. Almost like a Beats Antique, um, but uh, much more intense. Anyway, we took three and a half grams dry each. <laughs> and we spent the rest of the night in the tent. Yeah. No shit, dude. Just, <laughs> you go to a fucking gore concert. <laughs> oh, I've always wanted to do that. Dude, I was yeah, going to say, the music could turn on you. Even like when you take mushrooms oh, yeah. at home and you're listening to music that you love, the music could still turn on you. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, no, this is just not feeling great right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but imagine being in a public setting and the music does that to you and you're just like, right. oh, fuck. Like, yeah. Yeah. That That is a no, no go. Yeah, I so, would say though, for anyone that does go to raves and likes taking mushrooms, then this is a great alternative. Absolutely, like hundred percent great alternative. Um, so yeah, just for those that are not used dose. to going to shows, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. yeah, or used to not used to psychedelics in general. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, just uh, just figured I'd I'd mention that really quick. Uh, another cool thing that I so this is something that's really cool that I read, and this is generally the last part of just general information i want to spout out about this about the history and stuff but so in 2022 a company named solera was uh patent approved for transdermal patches of dmt and for aco dmt whoa yeah so that's uh and they're they're patent approved for basically research and stuff like that so now they're able to research and just see what these do using them with transdermal patches, which is super cool. sick. So they're based uh, in Tampa, Florida, but they also have offices in New Jersey. And that's just, it's just cool just to see, because they, I've read multiple um, articles of them, like attempting to try to get patent approved for years. And they finally, finally did. And uh, the article that I read was from October 31st, 2022. So happy Halloween. Damn. Yeah. I wonder if Silera has anything to do with psilocin, psilocybin. I have to assume, yes. yeah. yeah. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but they're also doing DMT patches, like NN DMT. True. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Well, but it probably was started in the, like, mushroom. Due to the yeah. mushroom stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. going on. It's really cool, though. No, yeah, totally. And it's good for, you know, being able to research and do stuff that way. Because um, I don't know how, like, the transdermal patches affect, like, uh, how long it, it like how quickly it goes into your system and how long it lasts but I, it just seems more controlled to me it's like extended release right <laughs> which is interesting because most people the reason like re, like research um, like labs and everything like that like like psilocybin over LSD because of how like how it doesn't last nearly as long so they can actually do a whole report within an 8 hour day rather than it being like a 12, 16, 18 hour thing yeah, and so that's interesting that they would want to even attempt to do this with transdermal patches because it's like you said, it's going to extend the the period or the uh, 
the duration of, of this drug. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you'd think they would just do it. Well, maybe they're doing the research IV and then, I don't know. No, my thought is, is it's speculate. actually kind of like microdosing. That's probably what part of the study is. Oh, like, yeah. Is that they're looking at like effects that don't provide full-blown hallucinations, but yeah. still provide beneficial outcomes. Interesting. You'd think that uh, if they if they really wanted to just like get this like nailed in like a couple hours, you just insufflate it, dude. And then yeah. you fucking be done out in like four hours. <laughs> right. Yeah, businessman's trip. Yeah, dude. Exactly. <laughs> DMT. The working man. <laughs> the working man's dead, dude. <laughs> yeah. I used to think that was so weird when I heard that term businessman's trip for DMT because I just would think of like dudes in like Wall Street, like Suits. instead of going and sniffing blow on their break, they just all go and hang out and like smoke DMT together. In the broom closet, <laughs> just yeah. take a couple of rips. I mean, that's essentially like coding in like the whole like tech, like uh, the tech field that everyone is like uh, starting to do like microdose and do psychedelics and like tech and everything. I thought yeah. you meant coding like the yeah, cops. I, <laughs> I, I, I like, Wait a second, I'm pretty sure they're not using coding for that. Hey, you know, like, you know, people like Wall Street and double like cupping, and dude. <laughs> oh my, gosh. my grandma was telling me about how they, her and their friends, they were like coming back from Canada once, and their friend had bought a fuck ton of codeine bottles from the vet or something or the pharmacy. And then try to bring them over the border back into the U.S. Oh, my like, God. And they're like older ladies. And the border police guy was like, so I'm going to ask you really quick if you have anything illegal. And she's like, no. And he's like, okay. So now I'm going to ask again. Do you have any prescription bottles in your car? She goes, yeah. I got a bunch of codeine. And he's like, okay, I'd like you to show me. Like, he's just pretty much trying to get her to realize, like, you you are breaking the law. And she was like way too Karen out, essentially not like Karen in a bad way, but just being like dumb, in a sense, and yeah. opened up the boxes of like forty bottle each box. No, or some shit. Oh my was god! Like, Here you go, look, and he's like, Bro, what the fuck? He's like, this is multiple felonies for everyone in the car. Oh, and everyone shit. started freaking out, and they're like, oh my god, we had no idea. And and he's like, all right, well, I'm gonna have to take these kind of things. And she's like, well, no, I need them. <laughs> oh my god! And like tried to fight it with it, and be like, she essentially was just trying to play so stupid that like Dude. she didn't know. Which I think there's some people that just truly don't know that yeah. that stuff. But, yeah, true. Um, the I perfect just, mule. I thought it was so funny. And then my grandma was joking because it's it's my great grandma who's on oxygen right now and all these things. She just got out of the surgery. Ooh. And she was she cracked a seltzer and she's like, well, I can have one um, because, you know, I'll just take less oxy or whatever. And then she like looked at my sister and she's like, I have so many opiates right now, guys. Do you want any? Whoa. And I was just so quickly uh, going to be like jokingly like, uh, yeah. Like, what do you, is this a, is this like a real question right now? <laughs> yeah, you, you got Oxy 30s, dude? What's up? Just start playing Lil White Oxycontin. <laughs> it's like, we're about to get parked out, Grandma. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say, Raven? Oh, just that song. I thought that's the song you're talking about. The fucking Lil White, the Oxycontin yeah. Xanax bars. Percocets and lower tabs. Yeah, 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 yeah. dude. Uh, shouts out that song, dude. That was like, like, grannies always get down way more than we do. Yeah, But dude. they don't know that. They, I mean, 
At no, what? she knew. She oh, literally okay. was like, I'm going to drink one seltzer because like, or and then I'll take only one Oxy instead. She took two. <laughs> <laughs> your grandma got lit as fuck that night, dude. Yeah. She oh, probably does grandma. the thing where she's like, oh, I forgot. Like, yeah. The Aussie thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who removed the beers out of my room? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Hell yeah, dude. Tells him he drank them. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I just want to. Um, so now that I got some of that stuff out of the way, I just kind of want to talk about like general experiences uh, and trip reports and stuff like that. Um, I'll later read some like actual trip reports, but I'm this is a lot of information I got from multiple trip reports, so I'm just gonna kind of go into some of that. Um, it's a good way to kind of sum up some of the, the effects in a real world application other than just like, these are some of the things you could experience. So right. These are real things people experience. So Right. So I think Mike has said this earlier. Uh, I don't know if you said this before after we started, but uh, you can experience nausea during the come up. But it's uh, that's like similar to psilocybin. But a lot of people report that it's like way less intense. And uh, it's probably because you're not ingesting plant material. And uh I don't know if it has anything to do with like chemical makeup or anything like that, but I assume it's probably like a lot of people said it's because it's uh, not ingesting plant material, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's the fiber, the amount of fiber that you have to ingest when you're ingesting dried mushrooms is a lot. And a lot of people are put off by the smell and taste of mushrooms. That's as well. exactly. Yeah. But I, and I think there is something to say with serotonergic drugs and nausea though, because of the fact that there's like 90% of your serotonin in the gut already. Mm. Um, Cause like you know with MDMA when people they'll just like fucking projectile vomit when they get really high. Yeah, it's not like an overdose effect. It's literally the effect of like too much serotonin being released. You yeah, just puke and get really nauseous and then it goes away. Um, so I think that might be similar to psychedelics because also that happens with certain psychedelics where people they call it like purging. Yeah, exactly. Um, that that isn't an overdose effect. It's not like a negative effect at all. It's a. Uh, I think it really does come down to the serotonin. Yeah, dude, the first time I did, like, a my, like, an actual, like, trip of, like, mushrooms, like, a, like, an, like, a, enough of mushrooms to actually, like, really feel like an intense trip was that, uh, time we were at fucking Raven's house in Vancouver, and we, uh, drove, we were driving to your house in, uh, Portland, Micah, and, uh, we were fucking in the car on the way there, and I could, like, feel it coming on in the car, and I was, like, sweating super hard, and was like, I might fucking vomit right now, dude, <laughs> like, and I've had that from LSD and stuff too, like high doses of LSD. But yeah, it's 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 an interesting feeling. Um, it's not really like a horrible feeling, but it's also just like kind of uncomfortable for a little bit. Yeah, but I've never had that. When you get it out, it's an amazing feeling. So one time Ali purged um, on acid, like four hits acid in Kauai in the Whoa. hotel room. And she was like crying after it, like in like beautiful tears of just joy. I bet. And happiness. Because she just was sitting on the floor in the bathroom and was like, she essentially felt reborn. She's like, what the fuck just happened? And yeah. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you got <laughs> it all out. <laughs> yeah. I've purged from mushrooms before and it's it's super great, dude. You just like it's almost like puking on alcohol where you're like you like you feel really shitty and then you throw up and then you're like, oh my god, I feel amazing. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Nope. <laughs> I, I wish. Dude, Wait, really? From alcohol, it's the end of the night for me. Yeah. Oh, I don't know like I drinking again or I haven't um, puked from alcohol in a really, really long time, but when I have, it's always like, all right, let's go, dude. Fucking rally, dude. <laughs> uh, you sound like my boss. 
Or our boss. <laughs> the, last, like, the last like year of me drinking was just like puking and like sometimes puking blood and then just Jesus. Being, like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do it. Wow. This sucks. Well, that just shows that you guys had a problem and I didn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, dude. Had, yeah. bro. I'm like almost five months sober. Dude, congratulations, dude. That's I was just you thinking just about this the other day. 30. I just boxed the perk thirty. I'm probably sober. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. No, I was just thinking about this uh, last night when I was drinking some beers. I was like, damn, hell yeah, dude. Raven's fucking just sober, dude. Just, just no raw dog in life. <laughs> raw dog. Literally. Yeah, yeah. No protection. <laughs> anyway. <Just> spreading disease. <laughs> sober disease. Mental disease. <laughs> I mean, it is a disease, honestly. Sobriety is a fucking disease, dude. Yeah, dude. I don't. Wild. Yeah, dude. Honestly, I'm. I try every day of my life to just cure my disease of sobriety. Yeah, I mean, I swapped it out for the other one. Addiction. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Better disease, you live longer. Addi- yeah, yeah addiction. probably, honestly. Yeah, look at Keith Richards, dude. He's fucking old as shit, and he's been doing drugs for fucking ever. Well, he's been sober for a while now, but... I mean, it's like that shirt, Asshole, assholes live forever, you know? Yeah, yeah. true. Fuck you, Micah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so... Uh, so yeah, one of the things that people say is that, um, so lowered, apparently they say that like lower doses, like anything under like 25 milligrams or like 20 milligrams is like similar to psilocybin and that higher doses, anything over 25, like more closer to like 30 or 40 or above, uh, are more similar to DMT, which is super interesting. So it kind of, that's the cool thing about this drug. It seems like, is that like depending on how you want to feel and how intense you want to get, like it depends on like your dosage and stuff like that, which is kind of similar to any drug, but like I would say different in the fact that it's more so like if, when you're take like if like if you're like, okay, like I want to like have the experience of like psilocybin and stuff and like, you know, have visuals and have like this like warm feeling, like I'll just take like, you know, like 20 milligrams or less. And, but if I want to get like really crazy and like see God, like, uh, I'll take like 40 milligrams or whatever and have like crazy DMT like experiences, which with like psilocybin, you can do that. But I, even when you take like high doses of psilocybin, like above like an eighth or like four grams or more or whatever, uh, it's not, it's kind of still similar, but like you just have, it's way more intense. It doesn't completely change like the way your visuals are. Like, I don't know. That's like how I, I don't feel. know. I would say that's the thing with this stuff. It's way easier to get to a higher amount. Like I was mentioning it previously yeah but it's still at the end of the day gonna be just like like when shaman people will eat an ounce of mushrooms like 28 dry grams yeah um it is very much so like dmt in the visuals in the experience it's much longer it's usually a lot more intense than ayahuasca Hmm. um and due to essentially the dose um you're taking like way way more than normal and when you take ayahuasca you're not really taking this like crazy high amount and same with dmt and when you smoke dmt you are taking a lot but at the end of the day you're still um i don't know what i was what i'm trying to get at is i think that it's just easier for people to get to that dmt state sure similar state with this one because you don't have to consume fucking an ounce well one thing i was reading about this drug in particular is a lot of people mix it with very very low doses of dissociative drugs and to get that dmt like state but you'll get to that state and stay there way longer than dmt obviously Mm -hmm. but uh that's one of the biggest harm reduction things is that people do mix these drugs a lot don't do it if you're gonna like if you're not sure about the dissociative you're taking 
Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I think this one is really common a lot of the times because uh, people were buying like uh, two fluoro desclerochetamine or desclerochetamine um, or even the PCP analogs at the same time as buying this drug because mm-hmm. like <coughs> psychedelic. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus, I got something caught there. Um, I think psychedelic like enthusiasts are usually looking at both dissociatives and tryptamines and phenethylamines as, um, you know, partners in crime. Yeah. Drugs of curiosity for them to try. So a lot of the times people would buy both of these together and then try them. I think that's probably the most combo is with ketamine like drugs Mm -hmm. with this. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I guess more or less what I was just trying to say is like, and again, this is all like, you know, from my perspective and everybody's body in reaction is going to be completely, well, not completely different, but could be completely different. And so, like, for me, like, when I take, like, a gram or two of mushrooms or, like, you know, a couple, like, an eighth or maybe a little less, I feel like my visuals are much different, or, or sorry, or, or very similar to how they are even when I take, like, four grams or, like, a little more than that. Like, yeah, I there it's not drastically different, but, like, People say like that with this, like if you take like 20 milligrams versus like 45 or above, it is a drastic difference of visuals and feeling. Yeah. Well, so here I'll tell you, 20 milligrams of this stuff is about three grams dried normal Cubenzies. Yeah, that's what I was reading. Yeah. So then if you take six grams dry, yeah. like double, yeah. that's a, it's a big difference. I'd say oh, of visuals course. and feeling and stuff. And then so even nine grams, um, versus three is going to be a huge, huge difference. And as we talked about with the dose response curve with this drug, um, I think that 40 milligrams is, it's not, you shouldn't really think of that as just being double the effects of 20. Even yeah. Though it's it's non-linear. Weight. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I interrupted um, you. What were you saying? No, no, but that's a good point because it, that's, that's part of what I was going to get at was like, even thinking of it relating to, oh, six grams of mushrooms is hard to say. Cause I honestly think 40 to 45 milligrams is going to be a lot more like eating potentially an ounce of mushrooms. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I do agree. have a friend who sniffed 60 milligrams. Holy fuck. Um, and he loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably met Jesus Christ. <laughs> he did have a God experience. Yeah, he did. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I read a trip report that it was titled uh, Atheist Meets God. Which was I fucking read that. Dope. <laughs> yeah, check out Eerowood if you want to go th- like deep into the fucking um, personal experiences. So. Really quick. Yeah. Raven and I are fucking dying on um, this vape right now. Uh have you read anything about anyone vaping this? If they turn it into a fruit oh, base? Oh, no, I haven't read that, but that's an interesting interesting thing to th- uh, bring up. I think I might have seen um, 4ACODMT jewel pods once on a marketplace. Oh, Yeah. They used to have opium jewel pods. Um, that's dope. That makes sense. One of the PCP derivatives as a jewel pod, because you could actually vape it. Yeah, hmm. anyway, there's a bunch of them. And this guy was just common for having his stuff in jewel pods. Dude, that's fucking so sick. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure someone's done it. I mean, especially since people make DMT cartridges. And you even said you found a fucking heroin cartridge on the fucking uh, yeah. outside of a, a store or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's just interesting how much the milligram changes the effect of it in a nonlinear way, I guess, is a good way to describe it. Um, so one of the things is some people even say that like the the feeling of the drug of for ACO DMT is like almost feels like a mixture of like psilocybin, 
uh, DMT and acid all at once, which is fucking pretty dope. <laughs> so like, uh, in which I've, you know, I've personally done all three at once. So that's fucking, <laughs> that sounds pretty fucking awesome to me. <laughs> You're like one stop shop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. <me> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, yeah. So they even say it's like, it's like similar to, uh, like mushrooms, but more clear, I guess. Like uh, it's, it's more fractal and geometric visuals than, than what like psilocybin is like. And, uh, cause like for me, I think psilocybin is a little more, I'd say like, I guess it could be a little geometrical and stuff, but mostly it's like weird, like just, it's just the way everything looks like is like claymation kind of, it's just like what you've described to me, Raven, which was always yep. really, really accurate. And yeah, I, I, I don't understand how anyone could describe psilocybin as geometric, honestly. Like, as someone who's done quite a bit of psilocybin, that just doesn't make sense to me. I, I definitely agree with you on the claymation thing. Yeah. Really? I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've, I've experienced, like, slight geometrical things from, from psilocybin, but it was only one time. And it was yeah. like just because we were walking across a bridge, and like I was seeing like all these like like the t- like these like tiles in the road and stuff. But like other than that, it's always been very just claymation to me. It's like everything just seems cartoonish. Cartoonish. There's a lot of smearing of light rather exactly. than like light making new shapes. Yeah. LSD. Like if you look at a, a light and a reflection, you'll see that reflection turn into a mandala or something like some kind of geometry. On mushrooms, if you look at a light, it smears across the room or like it's weird. It's weird to me. Like I was looking at my ceiling one time and the light was kind of bouncing off it in this weird like you know that um of uh, ferrofluid stuff that is iron in a black liquid that if you put a magnet on it and it all goes up kind of thing yeah yeah it's kind of almost like a rainbow effect yeah but the way that the 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 ferrofluid moves that's more similar to me how um psilocybin feels visually than than lsd being more geometrical that's interesting i get a bunch of um mandalas specifically mm, with crazy and it's like there's it'll be like my entire visions overlaid with like mayan calendar looking well that's me um, on lsd yes yeah, but i've heard that with dmt is yeah people having that so it's weird with dmt i swear the mushrooms ever since i had had a full-on dmt experience started to get a lot more dmt like okay. it was almost like i was my brain was recognizing that they have a dmt component to them um because weirdly enough what i get with uh the difference between LSD and psilocybin and even this drug for ACDMT is um, the colors. So this like mushrooms and stuff is a lot more on the like oranges and reds. Um, very like bright, uh, warm colors. And then with LSD, a lot of green, blue, dark blue, um, and then some reds. But Whoa, uh, that's crazy because I'm, I'm the flipped. exact opposite. Yep. <laughs> really? Yep, I'm literally flipped. Well, see, and this Whoa. just shows exactly like what we were talking about earlier is that every body in person is different and can have completely yep. different reactions to certain drugs. Yeah. I'm very purple, red, orange on LSD. Uh, very, very blue. Like everything just turns blue to me on Dude, mushrooms. That's so weird because I'm mm. even more different. So for me, mushrooms are more like, like dark blue blue purple like darker greens like that type of stuff but then with lsd it's like red yellow orange like super light green like that type of stuff like colors that are like yellows yeah Yeah. exactly like things like pop more vibrantly like with lsd Mm -hmm. and with like mushrooms it's always a little 
like darker of a color feeling to Same. me. Same. Yeah. And then DMT is just very True. weird and fucking robotic and fucking oh my God, fractal. I, Dude, I've seen by far like the most insane colors with DMT. Dude, hmm. same. Like all, all at the crazy. same time coming in all at once. Just yeah. like tons of these weird ass colors that I've never seen before. Yeah, same. So I it, really like that Insetagris artist. Shouts out Insetagris. Oh, I don't know who that is. Sometimes. He's the one I sent you a lot of times. It's got like the, um, there are a lot of like entity visuals with, um, it's very almost like cartoonish because it's a lot of like uh, just complementary coloring. So like, um, well, I don't know. Yeah, once you look them up, it's I N C E D I G R I S. Um, it's like a, what, Whoa. The first, first couple of times I've had trips with the MT, they I felt like I was just seeing a lot of tubes. Yeah, and piping, like this is accurate. Through. Yeah, this is very sure. accurate. Show Raven so he knows what you're talking about. Uh, let me find a I, good one. Is I this the dude who did the fucking Tipper uh, cover? Yes. Dude, I, I could just t- said that. fucking makes sense, dude. Uh, here, Raven. I'll sh- I don't know if you can see that. Oh, yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, he knows because I've got two pins, too. I forgot that you were like, oh, the train one. Yeah, I haven't had enough experience with DMT to really say anything about any kind of uh patterns i've noticed with visuals but i the way you were saying that your whole vision gets clouded with mandalas that's on lsd i cannot even look at a a smooth surface that has absolutely no textures without seeing it completely covered in some sort of pattern i I remember one of the scariest times was when we took way too much acid and i looked at the the wall in the bathroom and it was all skull and crossbones the whole wall thousands and thousands and thousands of tiny little skull and crossbones weird that we both had skeleton trips with that because i remember looking above us i was like above the two of us on the couch looking at our bodies and our bodies were just laying there like completely lifeless and i could see through us i could see like our bone structure (laughs) it was really weird yeah it's cool like we looked like two skellies just fucking (laughs) laying on the couch (laughs) dude (laughs) hell yeah that's so sick um, but you yeah, know, I'm glad we like went on this whole tangent because it just goes to show that how different everybody's personal experiences can be with, you know, the same exact drugs and Absolutely. also the same exact batch of drugs because we've all fucking taken, you know, mushrooms from the same bag and stuff like that and all have clearly had different experiences, which right. is cool. And so, um, Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so, uh, these are some more just, uh, stuff that people have talked about with experiences and stuff like that. And then. So just so like the listener and everybody else can can kind of see like the similarities, but also the differences and stuff that each person has had. And just so you can kind of wrap your brain around like the general like uh, feeling of how things are. So, and when you say listener and everybody else, you're referring to the, the like 15 people we have in the audience. Uh, the, the no, live I, studio I, I, audience. When I say listener and everybody else, I mean both of you guys. <laughs> what? Uh, we, yeah, we, shut we up. need to at some point tell them about the live studio. <laughs> 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 the, our, little, uh, our little weed dream. <laughs> What's the deal with mushrooms? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. So a direct quote of someone's experience uh, said it was like a long DMT trip, but with the warm, loving feeling of mushrooms and the mind-blowing experience of acid, which mm. is fucking pretty dope. So. Yeah. And not having done this sounds quite pleasing to me. Um, so, and then some of people uh, also report it to be like mushrooms, but uh, like I said, like a little more clear, just a little more like 
like almost like a mixture between like what I've said before, psilocybin and, and acid and stuff like that. Because that's what I've said before, especially in the LSD episode, is like music and everything is just so clear and open on acid. And so that's why I'm like, hmm, like music on this probably would sound even better than like music on like just psilocybin itself. Yes, it does. Hell yeah, I would dude. Say so yeah, I think a part of that too is that you are clearer headed. Mm-hmm. Like you're just Much. more more able to enjoy the experience of music than sitting in your head thinking about why you're mean to your family members or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what always gets me on mushrooms. <laughs> it's almost just like, damn, I shouldn't have fucking said that to my mom, dude. dude that's literally, I'm just kidding. <laughs> almost every trip of mine with mushrooms, and actually specifically this drug once, I had this thought in my head of, why am I so hard on my sister and my mom all the time? Damn, Why dude. am I so rude to them? But anyway. Um, <laughs> I just hyper-focus on death. And I'm like, dude, I got like yeah. no time. Left. Yeah. Dude, same. I'm also like very like, fuck, dude. Like I'm like, you know, I'm such a like degenerate just sitting here and doing drugs rather than like doing something productive and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I actually am pretty productive usually. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I think it would be, since I've never tried this, I think it would be really interesting to try just to compare to psilocybin and you know dmt and acid and stuff because those are all things that i have done many many times yeah yeah uh it seems pretty interesting um one of the cool things i did read about it as well that a lot of people say it's a little more predictable and um a little more consistent than uh mushrooms like uh trip wise i guess like you're you will more consistently have like a, a good style trip rather than like with like mushrooms some people can easily drop off and do a dark thing which I don't know how accurate that is, but that's what I've read from a lot of people. So who knows? You know, there's always the possibility of having a bad trip. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to the inconsistency of like the potency of the mushrooms. You don't really know. Good when point. You're eating a penis envy. Unless someone told you that you had penis envies versus golden teachers, you might not know that with penis envies, you need to eat way less. Yeah. So good then you point. eat that three and a half grams that you keep thinking is a normal dose. <laughs> yeah. Because everyone tells you that. And then uh, you go to three and a half grams damn it, of dude. That's penis envies. So fucked dude. to think about, right? Yeah, dude, that happened. My to My sister me. just oh. last weekend was like, "Oh yeah," like I was like, "How many of those chocolates did you guys eat?" Because she's like, "Cam got really fucked up on, <laughs> on the hike," and I was like, "Really, Cam? Like, how was it?" And he's like, "Intense." And I was like, how many did you eat? They're a half gram each. And they're like, we ate all of it. And I was like, oh my God. That was like five pieces each, guys. Oh my God. And they're God. penis envies. I was like, you didn't have to eat that. You could have saved them. And they were like, oh, well. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus Holy Christ. fucking shit, dude. Yeah, I guess she kept telling him that she could see the blue sky. So she's like, we're getting closer to the top. And he was flipping out. Whoa. Because he was like, wait, this is way longer than it's supposed to be. Holy of a hike. shit. Anyway, it was just so funny to listen to because I was like, come on, guy. And then my sister's like, well, I thought three and a half grams was a dose. What? Yeah, I totally. Like, no. Dude, your sister ah, clearly yeah, doesn't no. listen to the podcast, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they don't. Both of them don't. Whack, yeah. dude. Negative shout out. <laughs> yeah, they'll still ask me for drug questions about, like, so he hit me up and asked me about Adderall, and I just said, listen to the episode. Yeah, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good. Did you listen to it? No. I mean, they're both in law school. I don't blame them. They don't really have time to sit around and listen to a two hour drug episode. I when get they spend it, yeah. 18 hours studying. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, anyway. Anyway, um, yeah, I've definitely had that happen on like being like that one time I fucking accidentally took a dose of acid and then also ate like three and a half grams of mushrooms. Like I uh they weren't penis envies and so I was just like, Oh yeah, this is definitely manageable, like this is great. 
And then I ate like three grams of penis envies at my house one time. And I was like, oh my God, this is so strong. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, how did <laughs> yeah, I fucking take thing. acid and do this? And I was like, oh, it's because they weren't penis envies. I don't know why that, like, like I was saying, when Ali and I were younger, we ate the three and a half grams and we, we went back to the hippie dude the next day and asked to buy acid. And we're like, oh yeah, those mushrooms are really strong. And he's like, you guys ate both each? Because we bought a three and a half gram bag each. And he's like, what the fuck? You weren't supposed to do that. We were like, oh, we didn't know. That's what everyone says. I thought you were envious of my penis. I didn't know that there were penis envy mushrooms. Uh, (laughs) That's a good one. That's good. Thanks. Yeah, Yeah, that that was actually pretty good. Sure, I came up. I'm I'm pretty much envious of every penis, but I think I'm the first person to ever make that joke. Guaranteed. Mm, Absolutely, Uh dude. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, um, so yeah, the whole basically the whole thing of. Uh, for ACO DMT being a little more predictable and consistent to mushrooms because of it not being a mushroom and not being grown in the ground and stuff like that. Uh, it, it, people just say it's a little more predictable. And um, this is also a like lower and more moderate like doses, lower to more moderate doses. So all the stuff that I was just talking about where it feels a little more like psilocybin, that's like a little more like, um, like warm and stuff like that and like not nearly as much like geometrical and stuff uh than like a dmt uh these are all like lower to moderate doses which is like anywhere from 5 to 20 25 milligrams so now we can get a little more into the higher and heroic doses uh in which a lot of people say that those feel way more like dmt trips like long super long like dmt trips and that you experience like a super super heavy feeling uh which can also be like calming and euphoric that is one thing that I like I don't know if we've really talked about in the past with like psilocybin is that like you get this real like heavy feeling where like you kind of, it feels good just to like lay down which yeah this makes sense for this because like people say that like that's all they want to do if they're like at a rave or something like that like and they've taken this drug that they just want to like lay down I want to say that's like one of my main things why I don't understand why people take mushrooms and go on hikes and stuff. Right. When I take mushrooms, I usually feel this like I can't walk. Like it's like a tired, heavy feeling, but you lay down and you just feel good. Like, yeah, I don't understand how people are just like, yeah, I took and ate the mushrooms and went on a hike. It just doesn't (laughs) it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like I'll take like a like a quarter or a half of a gram and go on a hike and that's like doable. But I always prefer to microdose LSD for hiking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would say um, I get more, way more energy from like a gram or less of mushrooms, but anything more than that is definitely a trip to be had at home. Yeah, or at least or at least laying down in the grass or some shit. Yeah, totally. Um, so this other this I read another trip report that someone said that, uh, and I don't know if we've really mentioned this before or not. Um, but basically, like the how how faces look with like visuals and stuff like that. Uh, so like some person said that, um, that people's faces like with, uh, this particular drug is a little more like sucked in and swells inwards. Whereas what? like, yeah, which is interesting because like with psilocybin and LSD, it always feels like things like swell up or swell, like breathe in and out and kind of swell up. But they, uh-huh. this person said that for, for ACO DMT, that it made like people's faces and like bodies like swell kind of inwards, which is like fucking weird and interesting to me yeah, i don't know if you guys have ever strange. had ever uh experienced that with this no no i don't get any of that but what i get consistently with other psychedelics is that people's eyes look as black as mine whoa um, 
like I don't know why, but every time I'm on psychedelics, I think that other people are also on them. Like for a very brief second. It's okay. not like I actually like let myself believe that because I know that that's not true. But when I'm walking around people who are definitely not on psychedelics, um, whether it's LSD or mushrooms, if I'm in daylight and I see their faces, a lot of the times I look at them as if they're also frying. And I think that some of that comes to that thing that I mentioned in maybe it was a psilocybin episode or LSD episode, but I think it was the LSD one where Robin Carhart Harris's team um, over at the Imperial College London, they have they have written a paper about how psilocybin and LSD, um, or at least the reduction of that default mode network or whatever, is what's causing people to have um, this weird emotional uh, effect with faces. Do you guys remember that kind of? I think it was like, essentially people have the inability to recognize emotion in faces while on psychedelics, like very intense emotions like emotion or uh, uh, like uh, sadness or fear. Um, so like that, that's sort of like taken away when people are on psychedelics. So I think <clears throat> for me, I get kind of weirdly enough, most of the time I get kind of fearful of other people when I'm on psychedelics. Cause I feel like I'm in this very primitive state. And then I also feel like everyone else is too even though I know they're not, but I get very like uh, much more vibey is part of what I'm trying to get at. And so it depends on the person's face. Hmm. If I see someone who, to me, they put off a good vibe, I don't think that I do see their eyes as black and as primitive intense as myself. But I almost look at it as like, a, you know how animals, like your cat and your dog, your pets will act all weird when you're on psychedelics? Uh, yeah, like absolutely. They start to act different. Yeah. I think that it's almost like that for me when I see other oh. people's faces that I kind of see other people and I get like tripped out by their behavior being so much different than mine. Um, so I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to get at is I, I think that I wouldn't say it's noticeable enough for me uh, the differences in people's faces because I see so many differences in faces um, on each different psychedelic. Hmm. That at the end of the day, they're all pretty damn similar. And um, I, I see a big thing. Part of what I hate looking at people's faces for is that, yeah, sometimes I'll see features um, way more pronounced than I would have seen them normally. So like say someone has pretty pudgy cheeks, I might end up seeing them as like a legitimate fat person, like a very unhealthy, overweight person. Sure, yeah. And then I'll stop looking at them because my brain is seeing like, like that happened with Allie once. You know how when there's a change of look, like when you see something underwater and it looks different? Yeah, definitely. She was in a hot tub and I saw her thighs, bro. <laughs> and the thunder hit because I was like, holy fuck, you're huge. Oh and I was like, God. scared by it. I was like, oh my how God. did I end up with this? Ew, that's so fucked it was almost up. like I was seeing the future. So no, I'm, I'm just saying it as like a, not in a, I'm not fat shaming whatsoever. I'm saying it in a way that it was uh, like a very large effect that it was complete. I know, no pun intended. <laughs> it was a large effect to be had visually that I would never normally have had. Um, sure. And it's something that, of course, I was able to say, look at and just go, no, that's not real. But in the moment, seeing the huge change and difference of visual is, uh, it's like, c- catches you off guard. Yeah, so no, I can All see I'm that. trying to say is that it makes sense people could have had um, stuff like this, but I wouldn't say that it's probably pretty similar across other experiences for people with this drug. Mm, gotcha. Um, okay. I think it's just that, again, it goes back to what I was almost saying for myself. Psychedelics in general make a lot of things more pronounced. So right. if you see someone who looks like they have a smaller face that's like swelling inwards a little bit, maybe you're just going to see that much more intense than mm. you would have. Dude, that, imagine watching fucking Men in Black where that dude's fucking shoots his face and his face grows back <laughs> while you're on fucking... <laughs> 
mushrooms are on 4ACO DMT and you need to see his face growing back, dude. That'd be wild. Yikes. They're probably don't almost do think that. of that. What is the tiny head guy in uh, Beetlejuice? He's like waiting to die. Or he's like waiting in the waiting room. Have you guys seen that? I've never seen yeah, Beetlejuice, I've, actually. You've never seen Beetlejuice? No. What? Well, I don't know that they ever give him a name. I don't think they do, but he just, he, he like, he, she sits down next to him in the waiting room and he's just like, a full body in a suit, but then like a fucking tiny ass little head. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> That's so sick, dude. <laughs> Is that Beetlejuice? Yeah. Yeah, because it's when she dies and she's like in the like. No, but like room. the actor Beetlejuice. It might be who played him, but the head is way too small to like. But Beetlejuice's head is really small. No, yeah, he's not. Sure. He's pretty fat. Whoa, dude. So. All right, I'm using that word. word. I'll stop using that word. It's large. <laughs> Plush. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, I just, I just thought all, <laughs> no, I just thought all these, all these, all of these different reports were really interesting because it just uh, explained, it, explained how it feels compared to mushrooms from people's own personal reports, rather than like this is exactly how you're gonna feel like every time. It's just like you read all these different reports and you're like, okay, like I get the gist of how I might feel, but it is also like very different person to person, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so now I just want to read one guy's like some, some main bullet points of this one guy's trip report of a, uh, very, very intense trip that he had on a very high milligram dosage. And, uh, it was a fucking, I mean, I couldn't imagine being fucking taking this amount. So this one guy reported, uh, that he took a, took 90 milligrams of a four ACO DMT. Which, yeah. in comparison, <laughs> we said earlier that around 20, 25 milligrams of this is similar to like an eighth of mushrooms. So, two times so, four, essentially, is fucking, well, I guess, and, basically and like half that. ounce of mushrooms. He took two heavy doses. Yeah. That's crazy. So, um, Oh, man. Yeah. So, I'll just explain a little bit about this. So, his dealer gave him some chocolates of four ACO DMT in them. And so he took one at first and then also his main thing is the dealer didn't tell him how much were in them. So him just being kind of naive and not asking and just assuming fucked Ooh, up. His dealer could have told him too. Oh yeah, these are mushroom chocolates. Absolutely. Yeah, you never well, know. See, I, so, I have read that as well, actually. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, I was just going to say, so that's like something that is important for anybody to know is, you know, never trust something for face value kind of thing yeah totally yeah i've read a lot that people have like um been given mushroom chocolates which have actually turned out to be for aco dmt which i don't know if that's even like testable like from a general like testing kit so i don't know how they figured that out or not but right yeah anyway um but probably the dosing <laughs> probably <laughs> so anyway uh so he took one of these at first and then waited a little while and then was like fuck it whatever i'm just gonna eat the other two Ate the other two Ooh. and uh, thinking these were like 10 milligrams, 10 milligram chocolates. So after ingesting, he ended up asking like either like I assume texting his dealer and being like, hey, like what's the dosing of these chocolates, by the way? And his dealer was like, yeah, they're 30 milligrams each. So he ate three of these chocolates that were 30 oh. milligrams each. So so he probably knew that they were four ACO DMT. Oh, no, he if definitely he thought he definitely that they did. were 10 milligram. No, yeah, yeah. He, he knew. He yeah. wrote about it. Yeah. Um, so he knew it was four ACO DMT, but he just didn't know the dosing of the four ACO DMT. Then his dealer said it's 30 milligrams of chocolate and he ate three of them. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's also crazy that his dealer didn't 
tell him what dose it was before he sold it. Absolutely, yeah. There's many things wrong with all of this. Yeah. <laughs> I always hate the like, oh, I found out afterward. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, what the hell? You easily, for one, it's the dealer's fucking problem. They should be telling their people. If you want to have someone come back, might be a good idea to let them know the exact That's amount. It's like, if I get a fucking, uh, let's say I get food uh, like what's a good food if I get a dessert somewhere right I'm not gonna ask them if there's dairy in it after I ate it yeah exactly yeah, yeah exactly or an allergen of some well, kind yeah, yeah dairy it's like oh my face is dairy, swelling so. up where's <laughs> there peanuts in this yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, dude, you're eating fucking pad thai with peanuts on it, dude. It's like, oh, gotta go to the hospital, dude. Probably should have asked before. Yeah. 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 Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, basically when he learned this information, he said his heart sank and was just like, fuck. Because he knew the dosing of it. Like, he knew the dosing of ACO, for ACO DMT to know that 90 milligrams is a fuck ton. Because he had done it before. Like, this wasn't his first time doing 4-ACO DMT. And so the fact that he has done it before, knows how intense it can be, and didn't ask the dosing is fucking insane to me. Well, it sounds like when he made that conscious decision to be like, oh, I'll eat a third. He's like, dude, I'm going hard tonight. I'm taking 30 milligrams. Yeah, well, exactly. Turns out. (laughs) And also there could be more behind it that he didn't mention that maybe in the past he's gotten these from his dealer and they were 10 milligrams. And then he asked for the same thing and then... He texted his dealer and was like, oh, hey, like, how how much are these? And then, by the way, and he'd be like, oh, those are the 30s instead of the 10s or something. Like, yeah. like none of this was mentioned. So, it, you know, it, at this point, it's all theoretical. Yeah. So he literally did do the song. He like, he just popped a Park 30 and then he popped another Park 30. And now he's at Park 60. And then he popped another Park 30. <laughs> and now he's at Park 90. But yeah, yeah he's living out. Guy, he's man. living the Vita Loca, dude. <laughs> Anyway, we did honestly. Yeah, no, well, you're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I said, luckily this wasn't his first time taking four ACO DMT or any other psychedelics. So he had actually some sort of experience and you know kind of knew what to do, but also was not sure what was going to happen because 90 milligrams is a fucking lot. That's double a fucking heavy dose. That's a lot. So um, that's like equivalent to like 14 grams of mushrooms. Which is a fuck ton. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, so it started to come on within like 40 minutes to an hour. Like, it was when he like really started fucking flying. And so he said he tried watching a movie. It was some anime movie. I don't remember what it was. But uh, he finally had to turn it off when there was like still 40 minutes left of the film because he was just freaking out and like just not having a good time, which big ups to him for that because a lot of people, like, at least for me, when I'm like, all right, I'm going to like fucking eat these mushrooms and watch this or whatever. And like, I feel like I have to do that because like, you know, matter how, how much of a good or bad time I'm having, I'm like, oh, I have to do this. But over the last like year, I've definitely noticed that like if I ha- if I'm starting to feel any sort of negative experience from whatever I'm doing, just like, I got to flip that switch and just like switch it to something else. Because yeah. like there's no point in just sitting through a bad trip just because you said you were going to do this thing. Yeah, no, definitely. Um. um I think a lot of people feel like they have to endure it, too. They're like, oh, it shouldn't be this hard. Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't shouldn't be this crazy. I've done this before. Yeah, or like my friends have done this. I'm not a pussy or whatever. Uh, Not saying that you are a pussy for turning it off. Just like people get in their own head about that. that, I I haven't had to deal with that too much, but I know that that's a huge one for some people. Yeah. Of just feeling like, oh, my friend told me he took 10, so like I should be able to take 10. Yeah, exactly. It's more or less like know your own like mind and uh, just know like, 
if you're having a bad time, you should probably change what you're doing and uh, do something to try to have a better time rather than just sitting through a negative ex- experience. Yeah. So yeah, I'll just add for anyone to help them out. My my biggest thing is breath work. I know it sounds kind of hoo ha, hoo ha, whatever you know. Um, but um, no, truly, yeah, like breathing, breathing it, breathing it out. Yeah. I've tried that so many times, doesn't work for me. It really? absolutely no, works. Not for even, me. not even a little bit. Really? I am. Well, no, I just have to start punching myself in the face. I mean, that works better, but I don't yeah. usually do it a whole lot. Starts just chugging. tear my clothes off and go into the plaid pantry. And I start screaming, give me Marlboro Lights. They're like, bro, you don't even smoke. I'm like, how do you know that? How do you know that? <laughs> what, are you testing me? <laughs> I'll smoke a cigarette right fucking now right in front of your stupid fucking face. Dude, just start chugging monsters and punching drywall. <laughs> That's what I do when I get really Smoking high. Smoking cigs with your cock out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do, dude. That's Smoking cigs with your cock out. Nice, dude. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else that I'd rather be doing right now, dude. Just smoking ash. Yeah. I ash the cigarette right into my pubes. Starts a little fire. It's pretty we, fun. Should we dude. get Eva to to say that? There's nothing like smoking. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing All like right. smoking cigarettes with your cock out. <laughs> nothing like it. <laughs> Yeah. Yo, After fucking she drags a sig. Dude, positive shout out that chick, dude. She fucking rules, dude. Anyway, um <laughs> So, so basically he turned off this film, went and laid down, was just like, "All right, I just need to lay down and just like try to get through this." And uh basically it launched him into this like realm of just darkness, this like black, this like black void. And uh he started hearing his girlfriend's voice talking to him. But then he like quickly realized that it wasn't actually his girlfriend talking to him, but it was like him talking to himself in his girlfriend's voice. And uh, yeah, it was fucking crazy. <laughs> and uh, basically just like came to a conclusion and that he realized that like everyone around him was just a version of himself. So he wasn't alone? Uh, no, he was alone, but like Uh-oh. he was like, in this in like environment. Yeah, this is like in his like own like mind okay. or whatever. He's like he's hallucinating that basically like his girlfriend's talking to him because he's hearing his girlfriend's voice but she's not there right and but he's like but she's like talking in a way that's like himself i guess mm-hmm. and um so the dude's fully tripping out and uh basically experiences like ego death through like himself and like every other person he's ever met and as like and like came to the conclusion through this that like he was just like that every person was just him and like every every living person is just him which he said was just like a really, really weird experience that also like was a very pleasurable experience at the same time. Like it was very beautiful to him that uh, basically like that, like every existing and emotional like pain or like pleasure that like anyone else's experience, like he started to experience that, uh, which was fucking very interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, so he also, he basically said that he experienced like, uh, like emotional pain through like his girlfriend's perspective and stuff like that. And it like gave him a better perspective on like how to like talk and just be around others and stuff like that. Because he like then experienced like, you know, any, he, he experienced emotions through other people's bodies essentially, which is fucking kind of cool. So I feel like that's what a lot of why these drugs are called the empathogens, right? Uh, yeah. They have totally. The ability to essentially create or like show someone what empathy really is. Yeah. Totally. Um, and I think that's part of what a lot of the ego death experiences end up being like this. Oh, it's always connected and it's all love. 
it's all love. Everything's connected. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. This guy kind of had a little bit of that. Yeah, exactly. Which is cool. Um, You know, even though like some people would consider this a bad trip, like I think, like we've said before, there aren't, to me, I don't really feel bad trips. Like I, it's like every trip always has some sort of positivity to it. So this was, you know, something that could have been perceived as negative, but he flipped it and, you know, took it in a positive way, which is good rather than tripping out extra hard and being like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I think the only thing that anyone, even like him, take from it should just be the, in the future, knowing what you're, knowing your dose. Absolutely. But that's that's it. Because, I mean, what's beautiful about times like this is that Raven and I know, and you do too, um, is that if you, there's sometimes some of the more interesting, intense trips come from when you don't really know. Yeah, how much you're doing and you just sort of go spontaneously and eat it and then wait for the experience and then it ends up being this like you know I I think a lot of the times if you come into a trip with expectations you can actually take a little bit out of the beauty of the trip Um, and a lot of people feel this huge expectation I mean a lot of people bring expectations because there's so much that we've dealt with now from learning about them being you know they can induce a bad trip or they can make you go crazy so, like, people now when they hear about taking psychedelics, they're really intense about, like, ooh, I'm going to make sure my set and setting is just perfect. But I think mm. if you go too crazy on being, like, anal about your set and setting and your dose, you are taking a little bit out of the trip that yeah. is what makes it kind of beautiful and fun is when you don't really have... But that's just me. That's my opinion. And I know you guys share that opinion with me, but I know there's other people who, like, absolutely would not be able to just take an unknown amount or even a high amount after being told it's not going to kill you, it's going to be safe, there's so many people that would be like, no, I'm not even going to mess with that. Yeah. And I know, like, I have a family member who's like that, who enjoys psychedelics, but any more than a certain amount, it's, like, highly uncontrollable for them, and they get really upset because they can't deal with it. Yeah. Um, well, that's, they, like, I guess, like, what I was saying earlier with, like, being able to, like, switch up, like, switch the flip and stuff like that, or, like, flip the, switch the flip, flip the switch <laughs> of, you know, being able to, like, t- like, if you go into, like, with a you know, an idea of what you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch the Matrix trilogy or whatever. <laughs> and then you like start having a bad time. And it's like, oh, like I'm, I'm going to be able to fl- like, you know, I got to flip the switch and do something else. Um, yeah, I, I would say that the last time I took LSD was a couple years ago and I took a completely random amount. I have no idea how much it was, but it was way more than probably even like 400 micrograms. So it was a pretty substantial amount. And I just like... I had a full ego death where I had an experience just like this, guys, and freaking laid on the ground, and everyone around me, I just it completely, they all just completely went mute. I was all in my own head, had a beautiful experience, and it was a horrible set and setting, but it was just like, you you took the ride, and it, you came out the other side a better person, but uh, no, it was completely unexpected, didn't even expect to take LSD that day, or in general, and freaking took a way more than I had expected to take and then had just an amazing time. But it was very like introspective, inter- interpersonal. I don't think the people around me probably shared that same experience, but <laughs> good for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that's good, though, that you were able to do that. Like what Micah was just saying, that's good that like, you know, we all kind of share that similar feeling about if you... um you know, being able to just like uh, take a random amount and then still be able to have a good time or just go with the flow rather than being set in stone. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I'll just wrap this up on the um, on this guy's whole experience. And he basically, uh, 
after this whole experience, realized that like the truth of reality is a vessel of love and that love is boundless and can be manifested any way the God intended it to. So I don't know, I guess he might be religious or many says God, maybe he means the entity or something like that. Um, not sure, but he basically realized that like he is an infinite being and that, uh, like, you know, he's just living life through like, like, like every other person is just like himself, but like living in a different like perspective and stuff. And, uh, he stated that his trip, uh, is being basically showed him that you can experience love and suffering simultaneously, which is fucking pretty interesting. So yeah, I don't know, dude just had a crazy ego death, crazy mind blowing experience. And, uh, yeah, probably don't take 90 milligrams of this. Well, so again, I'm going to say real quick that like, I think it's better to, again, know your dosage always for harm reduction. But if you are someone who is a seasoned like veteran with psychedelics, (laughs) um, that this is actually one that if you want to go far with mushrooms, take this drug instead. It's a good point. Yeah, I I truly do think so. Like you're going to deal with way less puking. You're going to deal with potentially a shorter duration, um, especially if you can sniff it or boof it. Um, I know those sound funny to say, but truly enough, the fact that you can do that with this drug makes it very interesting because then it's you don't have to wait for a come up, um, and you don't also don't have to spend four to seven hours uh, yeah. on it. You can actually just be on it for like three hours, right? Um, and if you're wanting a huge ego death trip, that might be a better option than eating mushrooms like seven grams of mushrooms. You could just take forty milligrams of this stuff or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like. I, I do think that this drug is actually... I love this drug specifically for high doses. Um, That's I've fucking had dope. Some of the, my favorite trips have been around 30, 35 milligrams. And, oh, yeah. Um, also, I love that you can sniff it. It is a really great combo with dissociatives. I know that Raven mentioned that from other people, but I'll even say that as well, that they go really well together. Um, one of the cooler drug experiences that I've had was combining this with desclerochetamine, an analog of ketamine that lasts about twice the time and is uh, about half as potent. Um, So, or double potent. Essentially, you can take half the amount. Uh, Anyway, uh, I mixed them too in the same like dose line or whatever, you know, and sniffed that. Um, Great experience. They come on at the same time. They both have kind of similar duration, um, but it just blended really well together. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. And then also, I do think that, I know that you wrote some of this down, so I'll just piggyback off of it because I think with what we're mentioning, it's good. Um, that it's really beneficial for microdosing because of the consistency. Yeah, exactly. Um, someone could volumetrically dose themselves being able to take one milligram of this stuff very yeah. easily. Whereas you'd have to like grind up mushrooms and then weigh the powder of mushroom powder and then be like, okay, I'm only taking... If you're taking 150 milligrams of raw or like a fresh... or I mean, what I mean, what, a dried powder, like just fresh mushroom powder or whatever, but it's been dried down. 150 milligrams is kind of like a normal microdose. If that's a different batch every time, like you're you're getting penis envy once, you're getting golden teachers another time, blah, blah, blah. That 150 milligrams is not the same. Right. Um, and so, but you're going to continue to microdose it because you think it is. So I think that this drug is really cool for microdosing for people, especially if you live in a country where you can't get mushrooms um, and you're seeing all this beneficial stuff coming out about mushrooms. And this is a really cool drug right. um, that you could potentially acquire pretty legally and not get in any trouble for it and then be able to take at home and feel a lot more comfortable about taking too. I think that's another thing is some people will take mushrooms and then have a fearful trip or a, a, an anxiety inducing trip because they're, they're literally thinking about their, the fact that they are doing something illegal. Yeah. Um, and so then this drug may, you know, it may make some people feel a little bit more calm totally. um, 
when wanting to try it. And that actually could be why it feels more clear-headed and calm no matter what for the people that are trying it because they're not even realizing that, that there's, that's an added effect on your trip is that you're knowing that you're doing something that's okay in the government's eyes or you're knowing you're doing something that's not okay. Um, that changes things big time. I think that's yeah. where a lot of people with psychedelics do have a bad time or like a police trip. Like my mom had one of those where she like heard sirens and like saw. And I've even had that at, at um, Raven's old apartment in Bend when I first started trying LSD. There was a trip that I had where I closed my eyes and I saw red and light flashing Whoa. behind me, essentially. It's hard to explain, but it's like I was like seeing behind me. Yeah. You know, like a reflection on the back of my eyelids. Yeah. Um, but it was really just my brain doing it. But in the moment, I actually thought that there was cops outside. Whoa. Um, and I don't, you know, that's just, I was new to LSD and I think I was, it was very illegal to be having, especially the amount that we had. Um, so there was always that added paranoia factor. Well, especially in um, that neighborhood as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was always cops in that neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. So, right it's like one of the park. only sketchy neighborhoods in Bend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, it, it's cool that you can, that people get, you know, um, positive effects from microdosing this and the fact that it is, like you said, a little more consistent. And um, the only thing about the consistency thing, though, is that you, if you are going to microdose it, you probably should mix it into a liquid form. And yes. uh, because it, it, because most people say that, like, you know, like what you said, the, the one milligram dose a lot of people say that that's like a good starting dose for microdosing because either at, at that point you can either take less or you can take more depending on how you prefer to microdose, like how strong you want it to be. And, right. you know, weighing out a milligram or a half a milligram is extremely hard unless you have like a crazy fucking scale, which I feel like nobody has. So no, nobody, no one has those. Yeah. And so you should probably just mix it into, you know, some sort of liquid and then, you know, dose from that liquid and just, you know, weigh it out, weigh, weigh out, like, you know, however many milligrams, like 50 milligrams, and then put that into, into alcohol, and then, you know, and then measure out with, like, a milliliter dropper of how, you know, exactly how many milliliters of alcohol you put in there, and then, you know, do the math, figure out how much milligrams you're taking per milliliter. Yeah, yeah. I would be really careful, too, buying, if you are going to be buying this uh, for ACO DMT online, because some of the stuff that I, I could find is very related to microdosing, so they'll sell it in liquid already. But just reading some of the stuff on their website just rubs me the wrong way because it says for ACO DMT on the bottle, and then it says DMT. What is actually for ACO DMT? It says for ACO DMT is actually known as NN dimethyl tryptophan. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's so, not accurate. Again, yeah. you can find a lot of these unscheduled compounds on Google by searching mm -hmm. them, and you'll, you'll find a, a website that says buy this drug, and it looks like you can actually set up an account and buy this drug. You are likely never going to receive that drug. These are companies, these are people that are stealing Bitcoin from people Yeah. under the guise of making it look like they're an actual market. Nowadays, as we talked about in Darknet Markets, the previous episode, uh, it is incredibly hard to even acquire clear web drugs that used to be on the clear web um, on the Darknet. Like this drug is not illegal in the United States. Is it possible to find in the United States? I will say, from my own experience... No, this drug has been so hard to get in the past four years that anyone who has it has had a supply of it. Mm. Like in the US, at least, I will say that. I sure. know that there's people in the Netherlands and Germany that were able to acquire this drug up until recently, until Rare Chems and Chem.eu uh, shut down, or they at least shut down their uh, 4ACODMT stuff. 
Um, but this is just something that nowadays, if, if, if you think that you have the option to buy it, I'm going to tell you, you likely don't. Um, and, and go for it. If you really want to try if it, it's go a for safe, it. If, it, if, if it's a safe way of going about trying to get it and you think you can get it. Well, essentially what I mean now is like, unless someone has given you a vendor to buy it from, like a friend, and you thought you found a vendor for yourself, you didn't. It's just not at that time anymore where you're able to just look up these types of vendors and find them and have success. Well, with it being more researched now, it might become available. Too. No, it's even less. Like really? that's what's weird. So MXE, oh, right, weird. and and DCK are both drugs that are they've been in research now a little bit, and they are still unscheduled drugs in the United States, and they are very well loved drugs by American citizens. They're gone, like fully gone, and it's because China and the Netherlands stopped making them. And that's exactly what happened with this chemical. So Lysergia Collective was a Canadian company that was selling this drug as far as, and as well as other lysergamides and um, uh, psilocybin analogs and even mescaline analogs. They had all of them, aliescaline, proscaline. Anyway, uh, there was tons of these ones. There's 4-ACO-DMT, there's 4-HO-DMT, which is just psilocin. And then there's, um, you know, all, all kinds of other ones. But anyway, uh, Lysergia is now down they stopped their sales and so once lysergia stopped 4aco dmt essentially was gone um and nowadays if you find it someone might be selling it they're likely selling uh stuff from like 2016 um it's just not no one's making it right now there might be some small companies but it is not at a point where the average joe can go onto google and find a reputable vendor um if they did if it was possible then i would have this stuff right now well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know here soon. <laughs> well, so I've had that happen. I had a friend tell me that she found her friend found one PLSD on this site and they ordered it and they haven't received it in two months. And I was like, they're never going to receive it. Yeah. And she's like, what do you mean? He bought, he paid for it. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, he literally gave money to someone and they stole from him. Yeah. That's how this, he gave that's them how untraceable works. money. Literally. <laughs> yeah. For an illegal, pretty much an illegal thing. So yeah. there's no going to like the law about it. And, or there's no writing an Amazon review and being like, oh, I didn't receive my shit. Right. There's yeah. also with the clear web, I'll just mention this. There was never an escrow system. So a lot of the times people would sell these drugs and you had to literally just send them Bitcoin and then they would never send you anything. Right. And so this, this one particularly is incredibly hard to find now. It is kind of like gold. So. Uh, if you found it, it's likely, uh, like I said, it's it's likely old and it might have lost its potency even, too. Yeah, um, I have read a lot about that, actually. Yeah. All right, so cool. Anyway, now I'll, let's just wrap things up by getting into some of the pharmacology. Yeah. I'm going to just preface this by well, saying hold on, that... I have one more thing about the microdosing. Oh, yes, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, it's all good. I just wanted to say that the general schedule is very similar to psilocybin, where a lot of people say, like, do one day on, two days off. It's like... Same thing for this. If you're going to microdose, people recommend doing one day on, two days off. But obviously, change that accordingly to however you feel and however you, it works for you. But if you are going to start microdosing, probably give it a few weeks to uh, change up your um, schedule. Like You could change up the dosing probably, but maybe change the schedule or keep the schedule consistent to see how it affects you long term. I guess the long term, but uh, be, meaning like... A month. So. Yeah, I don't think that people should spend any more than a month, probably, with microdosing if you haven't noticed anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, True. Yeah, good point. That's a good point. And I think a lot of other people do the uh, the James Fadiman technique, which is like three days on, four days off, four days on, three days off. Like, I do oh, the cool. seven. It's kind of like our work schedule. I do the six on, one off. 
macro dosing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> I take four grams a day, dude. <laughs> My mom was taking care of a lady who was suffering, is still suffering from uh, cerebral palsy and Lyme disease, both. Um, Jesus. Yeah. So she can't really walk, I don't think. Um, you know, she she just has to have a caregiver always. So my mom was wait. Like so she has two types of ticks. <laughs> yeah, cerebral palsy has nothing to do. Oh my god, you're so <laughs> fucked up. You made a fucked up. Wait, well, I didn't get it. <laughs> because Lyme disease comes from ticks. Yeah, uh, and it's cerebral palsy. You have like physical ticks. Yeah, you're always yeah. Nice TikTok. All right, that was clock. awesome, hilarious TikTok on the clock. The party don't stop. Till you take yeah. four ACO DMT. Oh, oh, oh. Four ACO, oh, oh. Right. <laughs> DMT <It is>. on <laughs> its own. <laughs> Wait, you never finished saying what she was taking a bunch? Oh, yeah. So she was uh, actually asking me questions about how microdosing, like she, she had been microdosing in conjunction with benzos and opiates because that's just what she's on normally. But she was uh, loving microdosing, but she did it every day. She would take like a little capsule every day, oh, yeah. and they, like sometimes she said she would trip on like a little bit, and she didn't like it. Um, and then, uh, and her dad was growing them for her. Anyway, I shouldn't Whoa. be outing her all this stuff, but her name and address her name? is. It's essentially decriminalized now, so whoever, yeah, whatever, yeah. Um, anyway, we'll just go into the the science. I want to preface the science though by mentioning that, um, being that it is a pro drug, so that just means that upon ingestion, it converts rapidly into another drug. Um. The, the, it's a prodrug of psilocin, um, not necessarily psilocybin. Um, you can think of it like psilocybin, though, because psilocybin is a prodrug to psilocin as well. So psilocybin breaks down into psilocin after ingestion, um, and then this drug for ACODMT is breaking down into psilocin upon ingestion. So they kind of work similarly. Now, I think that the differences in effects people are noticing comes from just the duration of onset. So this may actually be a little bit quicker um, than eating just dried mushrooms. Um, those are fibrous and they take a while for them to break down um, in the stomach to you, for you to actually get psilocin into the bloodstream. So that, that's where I think that this one could feel a little different is that it's just quicker, you know? Um, you, you notice the effects quicker. However, what I'm going to say as of someone who's taken multiple doses of this drug and in different times in my life, uh, this is almost impossible to differentiate. If you were going to give someone mushroom powder psilocybin extracted powder that's actually psilocybin the stuff that they give you at the lab when you're doing like a study or something and you were to take this stuff blinded i don't think most people could tell the difference um it's hard to say because this stuff just feels like a really nice fresh mushroom trip so mm -hmm. yeah i don't think i don't think you would necessarily be able to tell the difference if you weren't told I, you'd be yeah, like wow this don't. is this is just a really good mushroom trip but right. i don't but then a bad mushroom trip, you would not think it was for ACODMT. Right, exactly. So that's the tough part is that um, blinded and without any background in knowing about this drug, I don't think people could tell the difference. Right. I think that if you've been taking mushrooms a lot and you do try this drug, that you will tell a difference, but it might be so small that you're just finding those differences yeah. when you're not really actually seeing them. You right. know? And a lot of that could come from the fact that you know that it's different already. Um, so... To say all that, I'll just go into you know what what it is, why it's different. Um, it is the acetylated form of psilocin. Um, again, that's the psychoactive compound responsible for the effects of magic mushrooms, um, and this just means that it has an acetyl group attached to its structure, structure making it that pro drug to psilocin. So that acetyl group gets detached upon ingestion and 
you know, through the first pass effect of metabolism that I've talked about in previous episodes. So when you eat something orally and, and it goes through the stomach, then it passes into the liver and uh, breaks down. Um, and, and metabolism is doing its job and you're getting now uh, metabolites. So different drugs created from um, your own body using enzymes to break this one drug down into m multiple drugs, right? So anyway, it, re it converts rapidly to psilocin. So at the end of the day, I kind of want to get people to understand that this is really a lot like when you were taking GABL or 1,4-BDO. They really are different compounds, but at the end of the day, once ingested, they are now that compound that you are wanting to take, GHB it, or psilocin. In researching for this, a lot of people had made that comparison. Right. Um, but it's especially talking about the legality because they were saying this is the reason you'll get in trouble for this drug is because people have gotten in trouble or vendors or something for selling the um, the <clears throat> analogs of GHB. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that they got to stop marketing it as the alternative. Right. If they keep saying synthetic mushrooms, people are going to catch on and see that this is an analog. But for the longest time, and that's part of why this isn't maybe as common anymore. Maybe psych substance even had something to do with this. Um, because for a while there, you could easily get this drug and 1P LSD like more so almost than the other ones, than the actual counterparts that they have, like their other main analogs. Whoa. There's so many people that have only tried 1P LSD in their life. They've never tried LSD. There's people that have only tried this drug and they've never tried mushrooms. Um, it was insanely common when we did it for the first time. Yeah. Like you could easily buy mass quantities online. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had blotters of this stuff. They had Whoa. everything. Um, they had Crazy. pills. You could buy little cat, like uh, pressed pills of this shit. Um, anyway, so um, blue Teslas? pharmacologic. Huh? Blue Teslas. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, that'd be cool, actually. <laughs> well, no. So actually, I think 4-ACO-DMT did make its way into ecstasy tablets as well. Really? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. On ecstasydata.org, if you type in 4-ACO-DMT, you'll find pills that have had it added wow um which is cool to me i mean i think that'd be fun uh, but anyway so pharmacologically uh we are gonna now say something that uh sort of argues what hoffman thought in the beginning and that's that it is believed to be a partial agonist meaning it activates the serotonin 2a receptor um so it comes on it attaches not fully but it attaches and then it stimulates that receptor to start doing things. And the serotonin 2A receptor is actually thought to be uh, the psychedelic receptor sort of on the serotonin sites. Um, and when it's stimulated by agonists like LSD or psilocybin or psilocin uh, or DMT or different things, then you get the psychedelic effects that you see with these drugs. Um, and then if you use an antagonist in conjunction with those drugs, like ketanericin or something, you can actually see those effects being blocked. And that gives you the idea that this receptor is sort of necessary for mediating the effects of the drug. Because if you're blocking it when someone took it, then that's sort of like a, a given that, okay, well, look, if it's being blocked and now you don't see the effects, then it's likely this receptor that is causing the effects. Anyway, uh, they thought that it was an antagonist. We looked it up to make sure they thought that, and that is true. They did believe that. Um, this was at the beginning of their studies, so who knows why um, that would have come up. It could have just been a full-blown hypothesis before they did any cell studies. Or it could have been lost in translation. That too. I, I, I'm i almost weighing on that side because this is yep. the 60s. They, he had been working with these drugs for a long, long time. That's true. And neuroscience really didn't even start until around then. Um, yeah. So, yeah, maybe it was just a, a an early misunderstanding. I, I almost want to say it's a bad translation, but I don't know. 
Who's to say? I could see it. Um, Maybe they were on the drug and they were just so high when they wrote it down. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so you can hypothesize that it's likely going to affect the same receptors as psilocin, um, as well as networks and regions of the brain that psilocin does, um, albeit, you know, it's a synthetic prodrug to psilocin. I just want to mention it that way, though, so that it makes sense for people when they're thinking about it, that I would like to really just kind of use this episode science-wise to more elaborate on the stuff that I didn't potentially elaborate on in the psilocybin episode, because really, at the end of the day, we're kind of talking about the same drug, <laughs> effects-wise. I know it's not the same drug, but effects-wise, they are essentially the same. Once this enters the body and attaches to brain receptors, uh, it's doing exactly what psilocin is doing, because it is psilocin. Once once it's been ingested and it makes its way to the brain, it's psilocin. Um, and now this drug, people will say when they IV it, it is different. It feels different because now it doesn't, it doesn't get metabolized the same way. It does get metabolized after it's gone through the blood and stuff and the brain, but it, it takes a different amount of time. Therefore, the effects are different. And that's part of why I was saying earlier, there are people that actually do love IVing this drug. They, they believe that it's a different effect than eating mushrooms, which I assume it is, <laughs> um, but they like, they like it a lot. Um, and so I'll just say for caution for those that are curious about trying that because I just said that people like it a lot. Uh, getting into using needles is a huge deal. Um, it can lead to addiction very easily. So uh, proceed with major caution if you're considering injecting this drug. However, uh, again, if you're going to do it, be incredibly safe. Use clean needles, use clean injection methods, um, and be prepared for having full-blown psychedelic effects within 30 seconds. So it's likely you know, a good idea to have someone there to help you clean up. Um, and that whole thing. Anyway, um, just wanted to mention that because I know that some people hear something like, oh, this is a great route of administration. Now I'm going to try it. Um, and I'm not saying that it's a bad route and that you shouldn't do it. All I'm saying is if you're going to do it, you need to be much more cautious than you would have been by just eating it. Um, and there's so much more education than just what we are giving in this episode that goes into doing something like that. that there that, really is. Yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll just say for my own personal thing to you listeners, please don't start injecting drugs. Yeah, uh, it's really like you might think, oh, I don't have an addictive personality, so I can. And I think that's what a lot of people think. Um, but as we all know and can see in the world, drug addiction is on its like hugest rise that it's ever been. And using in needles, as you see, if you live in certain cities are like they go hand in hand with once tolerance starts to lower down, people start looking for routes of administration that, you know, that you can use less of the drug and get more effects out of. Now, I will say that people don't get addicted to psychedelics in the same fashion that they do with addictive drugs. People might get hooked for a while on tripping all the time, but that's not going to affect their life in a quality that it would if it was heroin or something, right? But um, once you normalize the use of needles through one thing, then it could normalize it with another thing like maybe you had yep. never shot up heroin but the fact that you've been shooting up a psychedelic and it's safe and you're not addicted well now you're not as hesitant to then administer a drug a different drug that could be much more addictive in that same fashion yeah yeah and then physical addiction takes hold too and then your mental addiction might not even be as much as your physical addiction to where you can't even stop so yeah and i'll say it right now a lot of the iv users that i read about on blue light which is a forum for drugs um, back in the day when I was learning about this drug was uh, old heroin addicts. They would go toward this drug as um, something to shoot uh, that, you know, wasn't addictive, but it still gave them euphoria and um, helped them think better about their life. So wow. really weird to think of, right? That IV drug addict heroin users have actually started to enjoy this drug. 
not as an addictive drug to use all the time, but as an actual like they still are able to get that feeling of injecting themselves with something, getting euphoria, having a rush, but not dealing with all of the stuff that they dealt with with their heroin addiction. Wow. Um, right. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And it makes, I just, again, want to have anyone understand. I was reading this stuff when I was like 14 in high school, 15 in high school, sitting in class, reading like these forums and reading people talk about IVing this drug. And I'll say it right now. I did think that sounded like a good idea. Like, of course, I I asked my dad about it. You know, have you ever IV DMT and things? And he said what I just told you guys. And I know I'm not going to usually say anything my dad says, but that's probably the one thing he said that was good was that just don't don't start with needles. No matter what, if it's not an addictive drug or it's just saline, once you know how to do it and you didn't fuck up, who's to say when you have a shitty thing happen in your life five years down the road, you're not going to go toward the drug that you know could like make you feel better. Yeah. And that might be heroin. And now you know how to use heroin in a very dangerous way. Um, so anyway, I'll, get, I'll move on from the needle stuff. But the fact that you, when you're looking up this drug and you read a lot of people saying that they IV it, I'm just going to say don't do it. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. Um, don't start on you know, using a drug that, that route. <laughs> uh, it's just not a good idea. Um, but anyway, uh, this is something that I just kind of wanted to go into because I don't know how much I went into it with the previous or the the psilocybin episode number one um was just what 5-HT2A receptor agonism is associated with um 5-HT2A meaning serotonin 2A um so the when these receptors are activated they can be associated if some of the effects can be associated with general neuronal excitation which makes sense the neurons being activated and it's being told to do stuff wake up you know send out information uh it's not like GABA where it's telling neurons to quiet down um Anyway, this is also associated with enhanced memory and learning. And so one of those cool um, uh, sort of graphs that we've seen uh, with psilocybin that I think the labs Carhartt-Harris created, but it was that that cool map of showing kind of like colorful connections uh, between different regions of the brain. It's a circle. And on the circle, there's little indications of uh, where these regions are. So it's essentially putting brain regions into like a map format of a circle and saying that here's the connections that are happening between these regions. Well, it shows placebo, and it shows how there's like barely any connections going on between the circle. And then it shows on psilocybin, and there are so many lines of connection going on that it's just visually looking at it, you can see that, okay, the brain is doing a whole lot when under the influence of psilocybin versus just not under the influence of anything. And the reason I mention this is that when we've talked about synaptogenesis, so the creation of new synapses, connections between two neurons, and then also neurogenesis, the creation of just new neurons in general, uh, we've mentioned how that could be really beneficial for things like depression. Um, and that's one of the things we're seeing with ketamine, right? Is that it can, it activates glutamate and in turn uh, deactivates these NMDA receptors in turn uh, leading to uh, enhanced memory and learning. Um, and that's that BDNF. Uh, we, we think that this BDNF being expressed is causing uh, new neurons to grow because brain-derived neurotrophic factor is responsible for creating new neurons. And so uh, we see that ketamine induces BDNF, but we also see that psilocybin does too. And so anyway, psilocybin, we, we know it, um, nowadays we know that it is a huge um, sort of activator or inducer of neurogenesis and synaptogenesis. So it has the ability to create new synapses and new neurons. And essentially what I'm getting at is that there's this huge, there's a lot more connections being made in the brain, and they're permanent. Not all of them, but a lot of them are permanent. So, so you're, you're creating new neurons. You're creating new synapses, new connections each time you take these drugs. Um, and I'm mentioning this with psilocybin because that's what a lot of the studies that we're looking at now are showing, is that there's all these 
really, really beneficial effects with creating new neurons and new synapses, whether it's uh, enhanced memory and learning, but actually enhanced uh, mood, right? And we, we, we talked about that in our SSRI episode, I think, of just like essentially uh, depression a lot of the times can be from just not having your memory and your learning working so well or vice versa. Your memory, you're, you're really depressed, so then you're not remembering very well and you're not learning anything in life. You're not moving on in life and you're staying in the same spot. And so this is just, um, I wanted to mention why I think that this drug for ACODMT, again, let's just say psilocin at this, at this point, are so beneficial for things like depression or mood disorders in general um, because they have this ability to enhance your memory and learning and that really is coming down to the synaptogenesis and neurogenesis pieces. However, there's more stuff with 5-HT2A receptor agonism that's going on. And this is kind of trying to also mention how, you know, I keep saying in previous episodes, serotonin has so much more responsibility than just mood and, um, and whatnot, right? Well, here you go. Um, by activating these receptors, you get bronchial and gastric smooth muscle contraction. So the, uh, you know, your bronchial tubes where you're breathing and your stomach muscles are actually contracting better. And then also with heart, so cardiovascular and gastrointestinal anti-inflammatory effects are also seen. So when you activate these receptors, these 2A receptors, you get psychedelic effects, but you're also getting anti-inflammatory effects on your heart and in your GI tract. That's insane. It's big stuff. And again, there's 90% of the serotonin is being uh, created, synthesized in your gut. So that kind of makes sense. But it's also just cool to think that receptor 2A receptor agonists have the ability to do these things and they're beneficial for you. Um, it may, may, may be why... Uh, people feel so better or, or good after a trip, not just mentally, but physically. They actually do feel better. Could be from some of these things. Um, and then uh, it, this activation also results in production and release of oxytocin, which is the love hormone, right? Uh, it's released in huge surges when a mom gives birth. Also, it's released while she is uh, just gestating in general or while the baby is gestating, you know. Um, then uh, prolactin, it, <laughs> again, we're coming back to the one where it is increasing uh, your production of this hormone that allows you to lactate. Um, so again, it's part of like wondering, okay, well, I, I always think it's interesting that this, these things have these effects because it makes me go back to the like, oh, whenever, when people have intense trips, they always think, oh, life is all about love. It's all love. And it's just funny that this is actually creating, like it's increasing hormones that have a lot to do with love and, um, uh, you know, raising a child essentially, or, or having a child or being able to literally feed another human being as it grows. So I just think that's really cool. Um, yeah, it's fucking dope. I must have no oxytocin. <laughs> you, you do. I was gonna say, dude, I fucking have definitely gotten a lot of prolactin after uh, fucking eating mushrooms, dude, because my drip gets fucking, my drip is fire, dude. I'll be dripping. It scared me for a second. I didn't know you. what drip you were talking about. I'm talking about my swag. Turn my swag on, dude. <laughs> $100 bill. You. Next time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh. <laughs> Just fucking. Oh, I should have been laughing, but I was full, reading. Full fucking. Uh, uh, that's funny. Fully bull bulldozed that. That's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, that would be, uh, I didn't think that I'll was going to throw you off as much. I'll finish up then, um, kind of after just mentioning this 2A receptor agonism stuff. Um, I wanted to kind of mention that it's um, being that psilocin structure as well as 4 ACOGMT is quite similar to the structure of serotonin, which is in our body. 
Um, it's also similar to uh, melatonin, the hormone for sleep. It uh, that, that essentially is working with your circadian rhythm and telling you to either wake up or go to bed. Um, and where is melatonin excreted from? You guys know? Butthole. <laughs> I have no idea. Isn't it? No. Or synthesized? I'm I guess. not even gonna... uh, The pineal gland, which oh, Dr. No Rick shit. Strassman believes that the pineal gland is. Uh, where a bunch of DMT is being synthesized. Yeah, dude, that's why the fucking Egyptians drew it. Yep. It's well, crazy. it's actually, I mean, there is a big part of that, and that's what uh, we did find DMT in the pineal gland of rats. Um, but again, we have not found it in humans. Dude, we got to smoke these rats. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we all start smoking rats, <laughs> licking toads, smoking rats. <laughs> um, but so here's, here's where it gets interesting. I'm going to talk a little chemistry now. The reason that he thought this uh, that DMT and NDMT was being produced in the pineal gland is that he knew that melatonin was. Melatonin and serotonin um, and NNDMT are all derived from tryptamine. And tryptamine is um, something we keep mentioning when we're saying like fucking dimethyltryptamine, right? Something like that. Well, really, the reason we we're talking about it is it's a metabolite of the essential amino acid um, tyrosine. So... Or no, sorry, not tyrosine. What am I talking about? I wrote it wrong in my note. I wrote tryptamine again, and I was trying to remember which one it was. It's tryptophan. So do you guys remember if you turkey. look at if you look at the back of like a yeah turkey <laughs> gobble gobble. Uh, if you look at the back of a turkey, you'll see tryptophan. Um, <laughs> no, the, in, in the ingredients list on like a protein uh, powder, yeah, or shake or something, you see how it says like twenty essential amino acids. Yep. So essential amino acids are meaning you like literally need them to survive. You cannot synthesize the essential hormones and neurotransmitters in your body without having those essential amino acids. They're set essential for that reason. Now, there's tons of other amino acids that we use and we can use to synthesize other... Amino acids are just building blocks for proteins, right? So our body is made up of proteins. That's essentially what your cells are trying to do all the time is create proteins. Um, they read the information from the DNA and then they spit it out and they make proteins. Uh, there's a whole, obviously a whole method of how that works, but I'm not going to get into it because it's nerdy and weird. But what I'm trying to mention is that you're getting the building blocks for DMT and serotonin from eating food. Every food item you have, natural food item, is going to contain these essential amino acids. Might Maybe not a whole lot of them, and that's why drinking a protein powder shake is good for people that are working out because they are using up so much more of the building blocks to create all these proteins for their body. As your muscles are uh, contracting and you're, and you're working them out, they need all this stuff to continue to grow bigger. And if they don't have it, then you're just going to be stuck with no growth and putting out way too much energy and not getting anything back. So that's why, you know, people have protein shakes. It's the whole point of like consuming something like that after working out is so that you're providing yourself with more than what you just got rid of. And mm. so what I'm trying to get at is that this is why it was actually a really good hypothesis of Dr. Rick Strassman to think that DMT was being produced in the pineal gland is because there was other drugs that are created from the same exact precursor amino acid that are formed in that region. So it's not bad for him to think that. And the fact that we found it in rats after he just hypothesized the possibility of it is pretty fucking crazy. Um, and so it's really, really cool because at the end of the day, what I'm trying to get at is 4-ACO-DMT is not DMT. However, it is uh, very possible that we could actually have some flowing around in our body. Well, we don't know. Damn. Um, is it going to be a large enough amount to notice anything? No. But it's also part of why... It's, so you know how the melatonin has to do with dreaming? This is yeah. what a lot of people think of. If there's DMT in that same region, it's being synthesized right next to melatonin in the brain. Are you experiencing small DMT trips? 
when you're dreaming? Well, that's, that's one of that's the thoughts. That's the thoughts, Whoa. yeah, right? It's one yeah. of the thoughts, yeah. yeah. And then also some people have the idea that, okay, you release all that DMT that's been produced in the brain when you die because when people have a DMT trip, they experience ego death, which is like a near-death experience. So that's where, that's where that thought came from. Is that what's happening? Likely no. You're not releasing all this DMT into your bloodstream right when you die. That is most likely not happening. The only reason people thought that is because this one professor had assumed or, or hypothesized that it could be made, synthesized in the body. And then people are like, oh, well, we take what happens with the drug when you ingest it, which I'm just going to say this. Your body is likely not synthesizing an amount that you would, you know, smoke uh, to get an effect. Your, your body is probably not producing fucking 50 milligrams worth of DNT. That's insane. It would just be ridiculous. And it'd be really scary because what if your body accidentally released that into Dude, your bloodstream? Yeah. Especially like, while you're like driving or something. Yeah, exactly. It's just not, fucked. it's not likely that that's what's happening in the body. So I'm going to say it right now. It's also not likely that 4-AZO-DMT is being synthesized in the body. However, what I'm getting at is that your body contains the same building blocks as the plants or the fungi or whatever is out there in the world making these drugs. Your body contains the same precursors that it does. And that is part of why uh, psilocin and other drugs like this have the ability to attach so easily to these receptors is that these receptors are actually structurally super similar. If you look up at a picture of serotonin and a picture of DMT or a picture of serotonin and a picture of psilocybin, you're going to be like, I can't tell. Like, you might notice one little thing differently, but like being a, a lay person, you're not going to really notice a big difference. Whoa, hey there, pal. Yeah. A lay person. <laughs> I'm not French, okay, well, Buster. You're not <laughs> anymore, actually. Dude, I saw a meme just right before we started. Uh, it was just like, oh, it was a picture of um, Europe, but it had it was t- uh, France was taken out of it, and it was just like, oh God, it was like, oh thank God, I thought this was a bad dream. <laughs> or, like I knew this was all a bad dream. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's Raven. <laughs> just afraid well, of the French th- people. that's where the term lay person comes from. <laughs> it's all the fucking. Oh my God, French that's people. Funny. Wait, so Micah, essentially what you're saying is that uh, if like cops can always arrest you because you are, you're always holding the precursors for all these drugs, you're always holding <laughs> it. Yeah, you're possessing uh, DEA-controlled chemicals. Yeah, essentially, dude. <laughs> They're like, we gotta so, smoke your brain. I don't know, though, because I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to get in trouble for something that you've ingested like that. Like, you can't, they can't be like, oh, you have uh, adrenochrome, you have someone else's <laughs> blood in, in your body. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bro, my body just naturally produces meth. Come on. <laughs> Dude, so I'm always amped Well, that up. one lady does, remember? Doesn't she, like, save her pee? Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's because she also does meth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that's why they called me a meth baby is because they noticed my brain naturally produced meth. Is that not why, guys? <laughs> that is why, oh. actually. That's exactly oh, thank why. You. Thank God. Whew. So I think we, I, I feel like we covered harm reduction pretty big um, there, throughout the whole episode. Yeah, I think there was but, one more thing I wanted to say about it. Cool. As you get there, I'm going to say my last thing that's, um, you know, if you've acquired the, the, the drug and you've acquired the scale and all the things, um, you can purchase a test kit called the Ehrlich test kit. I forget how it's spelled. It's really annoying. It's like E-R-L-I-C-H or some shit. Uh, there might be another H in there. But anyway, uh, Ehrlich, Ehrlich, if you look up that or just a drug testing reagent kit on Google uh, from Dance Safe or Bunk Police or someone of the likes, uh, they will have one that reacts, I think, a purple-blue hue color with uh, this drug. Uh, oh, This sick. is not going to indicate that it is this drug. It is only going to indicate that you have an indole-containing compound in there, which indole-containing compounds are uh, a lot of the times tryptamines. 
Um, so this is essentially going to give you the idea that you actually bought a tryptamine and not something else. Um, mm. And I'll mention that there is two different versions um, that have different weights to them, molecular weights, so they will be a different dosage. Uh, there is a fumarate, and there is uh, one other that I cannot remember. I think sulfate, I want to say. So it's like sulfate and fumarate could be th- another like another one after that. But anyway, there is different ones that you will purchase. So again, when looking up the dosage range for it, just make sure you know which one you bought. Um, I'm pretty sure the fumarate is the most common, and it is a brownish, tannish tinge powder. Um, again, it's going to be really small, uh, so do not just go taking random eyeball amounts. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, the other one, the sulfate or whichever one, or hydrochloride, I don't know. Anyway, one of the other salt versions of it is a lot more white and kind of a almost crystalline substance. The The brown tan stuff is fluffy. Um, so just be wary that you could be ending up with two different types um, and that they're going to have slightly different dosage range. Nice, um, right. And they'll still react with that reagent test kit. However, that reagent test kit is not going to tell you that you specifically have 4-ACO-DMT. You can still uh-huh. have 4-HOMET or 4-ACO-MET or something else that's similar. And they'll still show up as the same color. Oh, that's good. Me and Raven were uh, speculating this earlier uh, when you were in the... If you could you test went, for it. You went to the bathroom. And uh, we, were, we were wondering cool. if you could test for it or not. Yeah. So um, with that being said, you know, 4-ACO-DMT... Is actually it is as we've said extremely safe to take on its own, but with that being said, it is uh, advised to be very careful, even if microdosing for ACO DMT in combination with things like alcohol, cannabis, or dissociatives. I know I mentioned this a little bit earlier about dissociatives, but it is definitely true and said with alcohol and cannabis. Uh, that's just due to the psychoactive effects of those things on their own, they could send you into a trip that you might not be ready for or be desired at all. Uh, it's that whole just, you know, safe practice. Don't mix things that aren't meant to be mixed. Um, cannabis can be very scary for a lot of people. And, um, you know, if you mix something that's essentially mushrooms with cannabis, you could have a really bad time. Um, another thing that, uh, that might have a reaction a little bit or more so uh lack of reaction is it diso or not dis- uh, uh, benzodiazepines is people say do not take benzodiazepines if you're planning on taking 4-ACO-DMT because you will essentially not have an effect um, and you, you will also feel the effect of 4-ACO-DMT yeah sorry I didn't interrupt you I was going to say um, I've read that people also experience uh, memory loss during uh, if they do that oh interesting yeah, yeah I mean that's pretty common no matter what oh with benzos? benzos oh yeah, yeah true like any benzo, I mean, normal people, like I think that's what's interesting about that Xanax documentary is you see people that are taking it like because they need it, you know, they have panic disorders mm-hmm. um, and they like literally cannot live a life without at least like a half milligram Xanax or something. Um, they will still say that it, they hate that they have to take it because it's their, their life is just a blur. Yeah. Well, um, and that's just microdosing it. So, Man. yeah, I saw them watch. I mean, being the nature of what benzodiazepines do to the brain, they, no matter what, will always cause memory loss. Okay, um, And in combination with a drug that makes your time dilate, like, big time. I'll, I'll say that. That's one of the big effects of this drug is that that fucking three hours or so of the peak that you're in is not going to feel like three hours. <laughs> but we said mushrooms uh, are like that, too. I feel like most psychedelics are like that, where, like, uh, you know, time, yeah. the time just doesn't feel linear. It's very weird. Yeah, it's all wonked up. However, yeah. uh, talking about the benzo thing, do not think that you cannot take benzos with these drugs because this is actually, I'd say for someone who's pretty psychedelic naive 
or maybe doing it alone and doesn't have a trip sitter there, the best thing that you could have on hand is a benzo. Right, to um, get you out of it. Yeah, it is a trip true. killer. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying trip killer in the sense that it's going to completely take it away, but it will make it manageable um, yeah. to the point that you're not going to call 911 on yourself and ask for help. Um, because again, this drug is not going to cause anything uh, physically bad to happen. I think the worst thing that could happen, which is any psychedelic, uh, is that if you have a heart condition of some kind, um, then be wary of taking a drug that does increase your heart rate a little bit. Um, and that's just from a lot of the times anxiety. Um, but it is, uh, in the, uh, the like medical world and research wise with psychedelics, a lot of the times you will be denied from a study if you have pretty major heart complications just due to the fact Fuck. that they do not want to, yours isn't major. Whatever. Um, it's like, like if you've had a heart attack, previous heart attack in your life, you shouldn't take psychedelics Damn. Um, because they do increase your heart rate. Um, yeah. And for some people who are much more prone to anxiety, that increased heart rate can actually turn into a panic attack. And a panic attack on a psychedelic with previous heart attack, to me, just sounds terrible. But I, I think physically and like medical wise, you would your doctor would probably get pretty pissed off yeah. if they've treated you for a heart attack two years ago and then you went and partied with psychedelics. Yeah, like, yeah, it's probably. just not something you should do. So anyway, take take that as a however you want. But Michael Pollan, he was a really good. Um, you know, he started taking psychedelics in his like 60s yeah. um, for the first time. And he's been around them forever, had friends that have always done them. But then when he was told like, okay, you know, you've had this heart thing. I think he actually had a heart attack or something. Once. Yeah. And so, um, you know, anytime that he went to like a shaman or something about like, oh, I want to take this drug with them. He would tell them about the heart thing. And he actually had some people deny him because they didn't want to be liable for the, the possibility, the worst case scenario, which again, with psychedelics, even though there are a lot of the times most, mostly safe, Mostly being a really big word there is that they can still be some of the most dangerous drugs to be taking because they can put people in states of mind that they're going to make decisions they may never have made. Um, you know, and uh, I think that that's a big one. Um, yeah, mixing it with cannabis, I think, is a good one to mention of like it being um, just the same par as LSD. Yeah. Uh, that it could either go fucking great or it could go literally terribly and end up turning into an HPPD type thing or yeah. a thought loopy trip or whatever. Yeah. One thing I want to mention really quick about the Michael Pollan thing is uh, he he went to a shaman and the shaman basically was like, oh yeah, like the first day we take MDMA and then the second day we take mushrooms because it allows the MDMA allows you to get in a better mood or mindset or whatever going into the mushroom trip. And uh, so when he was there and he didn't know that. And so he got there and they were like, yeah, so like we're going to take like MDMA tomorrow. And he was like, oh, fuck. So he like ca called his doctor and was just like, hey, like, do you think this is a good idea? And his doctor was like, definitely don't do that. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. and don't he was do like, that. yeah, he was like, all right, well, I guess. I'm, and then he didn't do it, which is smart. Yeah, that is smart. Yeah, I'd say especially as you get older, it's always a good idea to nowadays start telling your doctor that you're curious about trying psychedelics. Yeah. Uh, because now doctors are at a point where they're less likely to judge you. Um, many fuck a doctor, dude. Don't go to those. <laughs> They're scams. I don't know. <laughs> when 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 being an educational harm reduction podcast. Oh yeah, for some right. People Sorry. that uh, don't have <laughs> friends like that they can talk to about it. Like, imagine if you live in the bumfuck nowhere of uh, Ohio, and you just purchased a gram of four ACO DMT, like hundreds and hundreds of doses of it. You know, like I think the best thing you could do in that scenario would be to go to the doctor and explain that you're curious about trying mushrooms and. Um, you want to know like if any of the things that you've been treated for in the past may be an issue. Yeah. And then you can make your own decisions after that. Um, but I think it's good to always get a 
good like a recommendation if you are psychedelic naive. Now, if you've got family friends or whatever, or friends or whatever, anyway, people that have been doing it and maybe have tried this drug before, uh, then I don't think it's as necessary to go and, um, you know, and if you know yourself, if you haven't been into the hospital for anything and been treated for anything in your life, then I think you're good to go. Um, again, other than obvious mental, like, but that's not obvious if you haven't well, been no, treated Well, no, 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 no. I'm saying obviously mental, like if you think that you might be predisposed for mental d- disorders such as schizophrenia, then just stay away from all drugs. And also know yeah. that we are not recommending anybody take any of this stuff for legal purposes. No, not at all. But <laughs> I, I th- I'd say for those that are planning on it, yeah. um, if the biggest one is, you know, it's hard to speculate if you don't have, if you have mental disorder stuff or not, because I think most people can agree that we're all a little neurodivergent and we all have something that we're dealing with. I'm fine. Um, that's not <laughs> considered normal. Um, <laughs> except Raven. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I said I'm fine if you've had I think even alcohol addiction in your family uh, that's a good one to be like wary of but um, people are going to make their own decisions yeah try to do your best yeah you know what else is the best our Patreon <laughs> go over there it's drink it out of cups at patreon.com or patreon.com forward slash D-O-O-C where you can see just how neurodivergent we are <laughs> so should we shout out the uh, one of the new things that we're going to test out and try um let's do a little bit more planning first alright but yeah that's a teaser right that, there. that's a teaser <laughs> we actually are coming out with a whole uh, another thing there's so much stuff on the Patreon it's insane it's a whole another show if not a whole nother like two or three shows at this point it's really freaking cool uh it's only three dollars a month head on over there i will say it again patreon.com forward slash d-o-o-c d-o-o-c duke duke uh not associated with duke nukem but <laughs> just as cool <laughs> or what about dookie the album green day mm, fuck yeah i just okay. listened to that the other day actually fucking love that shit it's pretty good the bass lines dude oh my god yeah dude green day surprisingly is pretty decent dude oh my god what did you just say on instagram we are drink it out of cups underscore podcast where you could find our link tree where micah has set us up with all kinds of fun links over there you could even find people that we support as a show artists and things like that find out what we're into find out what we look like Check out our personal Instagrams. I don't think I have a single picture of myself, but maybe. Go on over there, there is and actually, check it out. I just checked Fuck. it this morning. I gotta delete it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's a thumbnail. or It's like your face all zoomed in weird and shit. It's funny. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, anyway. Thanks for listening to this uh, week's episode, guys. I'm excited to talk to you next week where we're talking about... Let's bring this back. Ready? What are we talking about next week, Micah? I don't know. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I was about to say MDMA. Yeah, remember, like, remember, we used to do. We're talking about beep. Wait, ready yeah. on nine. Beep. Damn the dissonance. <laughs> the cognitive dissonance. Yeah, that was just that was just a that was just a minor that was just a yeah, a minor chord right there. Maybe a fucking. I don't know anything about chords. I don't know. Are we still on? <laughs> that was augmented, dude. That was an augmented ninth. Are we still on? There's nothing like listening to Drinking Out of Cups podcast. Nothing like it.